Welcome to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. So much to talk about this week, like Trevor Story's incredible turnaround of his season over the last couple weeks. The Giants definitely found something really sneaky, valuable in Jock Peterson so far. We're also going to go over some of the tight races in the American League and try to figure out how those divisions are going to end up. And last but definitely not least, Travis and I are going to go over our all MLB teams for the first two months of the season. Who would you have as your player of the month for the month of May? Find out our picks right now. Let's go. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Johns and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd and he was a total stud on his D3 college team. And this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 63 coming at you guys. Uh, it is currently Monday. Uh, Memorial Day. It is about three o'clock in the afternoon. Happy Memorial Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we have the day off, so we're able to record this in the afternoon instead of at night. But, you know, um, yeah, ready for another week of baseball topics that to discuss on the podcast. Um, I'll start us off with kind of a kind of a small story in the grand scheme of things, but I thought it was really important or at least really cool. Um, and Jose Trevino, who was traded from the Rangers to the Yankees this season. He's a catcher. He has kind of split time with Higashioka, so he's not even like the full-time everyday guy, but he gets a good amount of time, and he's got a good defensive framing numbers, and the bat's been uh, so far not you know not, not too bad. But um, he hit, I believe it was a walk-off hit, and it was, uh, he, I guess he, I think it was his dad's birthday or something like that, but it was always, uh, he and his dad always kind of, fantasized about playing in Yankee Stadium because they were Yankee fans and he actually grew up in Texas and this was I think the day of of that tragic shooting so it was just a really interesting kind of story for him and just kind of a storybook I guess you know thing and he was kind of I think he was being really emotional after the game talking about his dad and his dad had passed away or maybe it was the anniversary of his dad's passing I wish I knew for sure but um, it was a really cool story in my mind and um I feel like the Yankees, Travis, have kind of a storybook element to them so far this season. Mm -hmm. It's been kind of their, you know, the first third of the season or so has been really their, um, I don't know, it's gone their way. And then even like these like little, you know, feel good stories, um, like with Jose Trevino, um, having a, a big moment for himself, um, where he's able to, you know, think about his dad and, and I guess his, his childhood in Texas and stuff was like, it was a really, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty cool, but any other like thoughts on that or just maybe, maybe on the Yankees as a whole? Yeah. I mean, it's nice when you get a, uh, probably the most, one of the last guys probably on that like offensive lineup to come through and win a bowl game for you like that way, uh, against for some reason, the pesky Orioles this year. I mean, I think we, we were kind of sleeping on them a little bit for the past, you know, a couple of months, but they have been. Just a tough, tough competition for a lot of the AL ball clubs. I know they took two or three against the Angels. That was a disappointing series. But the Yankees played them, it felt like, for the last two weeks, almost, you know, the past two episodes, we've been talking about Orioles and Yankees playing so many games together. But, uh, you know, sometimes those games come down to the wire, and it's nice to have a guy that is kind of the unexpected guy to come through and uh, win the ball game for you. And he did it in a nice big way. Good shot down the line. Uh, I think it was a walk-off double or something like that. But, uh, like I said, it's best when the whole team's clicking when you have the unexpected players coming through and winning ball games because that's going to really feed into those 
uh, you know, all-star type players like Judge, like Cole, like Stanton. You know, they, they don't have to produce or come up with the big hit every single night. So really cool to see uh, the underdog guy come through. Right, yeah. yeah it's a good point because um, one of the big reasons a team like the Angels has had troubles because, you know, it's about the other guys usually kind of stepping up and contributing. Um, so when the Yankees have that going for them, um, it's going to you know, lead to great results. But uh, another, you know, kind of... Uh, big moment i guess of the week was there was a giants versus mets game travis and jock peterson had a three home run game he was a complete monster the whole game i think yastrzemski also had a great game himself but um it was Ch- like channeling his uh his inner uh left field number 25 of the uh san francisco giants uh, a couple decades back sure yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know he mentioned that the uh actually had a conversation i think with bonds it was something For, like right before the game I yeah think. It, it, I think it was like almost like five home runs. I think he hit two home runs the next day, Alex. And I think you're talking about five home runs in like a span of like 24 hours or something like that. And they were just like he he talked to Bonds a couple a couple and, hours ago on on um, before that first game. And and Jock said it what was like now? Jock said it was like one of the most influential hitting conversations he's had, or one of like most eye opening hitting conversations, or just it really stood out to him. And then it's it's crazy to see how quickly the results yielded. And that could just be a confidence thing or just a good day oh, yeah. you know, at the plate. But um, definitely something going on there. But it was a huge night for Peterson and the Giants, you know, walking off against the Mets team that was seemed so dominant in the NL. Still are very, very, very good in the NL. But, you know, the Giants getting a one off them is going to help them, I'm sure, um, in the course of the season and, the, you know, the, the playoff races as, as things kind of uh, – go towards the end of the season you're going to look back and say that was a really good win for us we got one on the board there but travis building off of this conversation i wanted to touch on the idea that jock peterson was the giants signing for an outfielder in lieu of did not really uh make a big huge bid on chris bryant to Mm -hmm. keep him around did not really obviously didn't win the sweepstakes but didn't really end up being a, as big of a competitor as they probably wanted to be on the Seiya Suzuki sweepstakes missed out on some outfielders went for I guess the more uh I guess low hype option in Jock Peterson mm-hmm. but paying off in a big way to start the season so it's just another example of a smart franchise that you know was really real well run last year getting off to a good start this year in terms of looking back at the offseason and saying that was a really good value per dollar signing in Jock Peterson. Give me your thoughts on that as a team, you know, not necessarily swinging for the fences, almost kind of raised like we're not going to go, we're not going to sign the biggest guy in the market, but we are going to make, you know, high value signings that are going to have big impact. So Peterson off to a great start for a team and he was on a much smaller deal than a guy like Bryant or a guy like Suzuki. Yeah. And I mean, for some reason, I keep saying this to myself, it just seems like the team that has Jock, I mean, first, you're going to make a deep postseason run and you're going to get a clutch performer uh, for almost the entire year. I know with the Dodgers having him in 2020, he was huge in the playoffs. The Braves actually traded for him in 2021, I believe, from the Cubs. But it sparked their second half run. Kind just, of. I mean, yeah, really helped them down the stretch. And then this season, I mean, Giants go after a guy that's, you know, not really known I guess for, you know, base running and defense, just more of a power threat against right-handed uh, pitchers. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's been remarkable to see that what Jock does uh, year in and year out. And you just wonder, I mean, every team in the majors could use a guy like that. I mean, I'm thinking now even about the angels where it's like, you could use a left-handed bat that is a huge threat that has so much pop, uh, you know, 
game in and game out. So it definitely is, I think, very eye-opening. Interested to see what happens, honestly, even in the offseason. And if Jock gets a lot more, you know, buzz around his name for the uh, for the 2023 season, just because, I mean, he's proven that he can do it year in and year out. And we'll see also what happens with the Giants if they can make a deep playoff run and if Jock is going to be, you know, influential in that as well. So, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to see this guy just floats around from team to team every single year, but he's producing so, so well. So uh, he's a guy I've been just very... Honestly, very big on, I think, the first two months of the season. He's off to a great start with the Giants. And it's funny, he's kind of already blending into that, like, environment. You know, we knew him as a Dodger. Dodgers, of course, biggest rival is the Giants. But now he he has on the other team. And, you know, I think the fans are really embracing him right now. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think I think if the Giants do end up being this kind of team that makes a late run, a wild card run, whatever it may be, I'm sure he'll be a big component of that. Um, you know, his bat is so valuable in the postseason when – one home run can win you a game. He had some of those uh, for the Dodgers in 2020 uh, and even prior. And then, of course, we all know how um, he did with the Braves. Really good. Even pretty much, I feel like he almost won the series against Milwaukee because so he true. had like a he had like three home runs in like the four games or something. And like That's right. That, That's that right. wins you the series in a, in, a, in a best of five, really. So um, I think he even had a three run homer in a game where they won three nothing. And so basically, sure, right. single handedly put the team on his back for one win. So. Yeah, uh, pretty special. Yeah, and I'm, I, I expect them to continue doing well. Um, maybe not, maybe not, you know, all star level, not like, you know, I expect guys like, you know, Chris Bryant, say Suzuki to probably have more value over a longer period of time, but definitely yeah. for like a uh, win now mode, um, a really cost efficient way to put a lot of value in your outfield, even could probably be like a platoon first baseman if needed, if, if Bell goes down. So great value there by them. Travis, I want to transition now to a different team that's having not as much success. Um, I'm going to talk about the Seattle Mariners real quick. Uh, I'm not sure. Besides today, um, they're 20 and 28, fourth in the AL West right now, um, which is definitely worse than they were probably expecting it to be this far in the season. Um, I think a lot of this ties back just to the over-expectations coming out of last season and that run differential we were we we were big on it at the time travis saying yes this team was like an 88 they're like an 88 win team last year but the run differential has them as they should be a losing record and they're getting all these situational wins and yes sometimes situational wins could be account of good managing or clutch bullpen or you know clutch hitters in the right moment like you know at the biggest part of the game you came through but in reality, a lot of it is just kind of random chance, and it really is kind of stabilizing for them this year. And I, I read a, a, an article, um, and it w- it was pretty much talking about how last year they were first in like I think there's a FanGraph stack just called luck, and and, and, it, and they just made it up, and it's just uh it's just a way of kind of looking at how much better you were in the high leverage versus the normal leverage, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much saying that the Doing better in high leverage is kind of random chance. It's not like some players are just clutch and they are just way better in the ninth inning. That's like not really a thing, right? Like usually like it all kind of balances out. Like a good player can be bad in the ninth. A bad player can be good in the ninth. It just is all kind of a level of randomness to it. And anyways, this article was saying last year the Mariners were first in luck. Um, and I think this year they're about 15th or 16th. They're right in the middle of the pack. So we're already seeing how that kind of has turned them into a you know, slightly below average team in terms of record. I still think they could definitely make a wild card. Uh, they can flirt with it, but it's really not looking like 
they're going to be a huge threat, at least as of right now. Uh, Base reference still has them at a 7.6% chance to make the postseason. Um, you know, I'm sure a team like the Braves or maybe, um, you know, the other teams in years past have had smaller percentages, like maybe 2019 Nationals, probably similar kind of situation. So can't write them off yet. But overall, Travis, I think the Mariners have progressed. If you told them like, okay, Ty France is going to be a 2.7 war player after two months. Crawford's going to be a 2.6 war player yeah. after two months. Logan Gilbert's going to break out. Julio is going to be over one war in his first two months of his MLB career. Like Eugenio Suarez is going to be an above average player out of that trade. Like all this stuff is going to go your way and you still are going to have a losing record. I think that would surprise them a lot. But give me some of your thoughts, I guess, on the Mariners, their place in the division. Um, any, any other thoughts on how they're performing right now? Yeah, I mean, being fourth place right now is somewhere they you know did not plan on being. I think they wanted to look at being a top two Uh if they were number three, okay, they'd probably accept that just because, you know, Angels and Astros are uh, superb teams and they are doing really good. But, you know, being worse than the the Rangers right now, um, that's, I mean, that's something they did not plan on at all happening. The Rangers have been kind of a nice surprise so far this season uh, with, with their bats really, you know, leading the charge in that offense. But, I mean, just looking at the, the last month of May, um, just so many series that they've dropped or got swept in. I think the big one was the uh, four-game sweep uh, at Boston where they lost to the grand slam at the end on Sunday, uh, last Sunday. And so, uh, you know, going through your middle part of the month and just having an abysmal road trip to the Mets, to Toronto and to Boston, that's of course, three tough places to go and play. But, uh, you know, with being a team that you are focused on being a wild card, you know, contender, you need to take care of business. And right now it just seems that a lot of their performers are just, like you said, they're, they're, they're doing decent jobs on, on some of those guys that you mentioned. But I mean, you look at Robbie Ray, he's been just kind of not worth his contract so far. Um, and you look right. at, you know, a guy like Kelnick, which they expected so much from, uh, he's not, you know, he's in the minors right now and he's not performing to what he was used to doing. So just looking at them right now, they just, I think they, I think they're just still too young to really give a shot right now. But I mean, Second half could happen and they can make a big push. But right now, the Mariners, uh, they have some some big question marks they need to take care of. I, I'm even looking at some of their, uh, you know, some of their pitching staff. I mean, they, they have a lot of young guys right now on their staff. And some guys are pitching well, but some guys are pitching, you know, meh, high fours, that kind of thing. And Robbie Ray was the guy that was supposed to, you know, really help them out. But looking at Flexen, looking at Kirby, looking at uh, Ray, like I just said, all the guys having four or higher ERAs, and that's not going to win you a lot of ball games if you have, you know, ERAs up that high. I mean, your offense would have to do a lot every single night to take a ball game, um, you know, here and there. So it is, of course, uh, I would say a little concerning, but of course, it's still early in the season. But, you know, the Mariners right now, they they need to do, uh, figure something out if they want to, you know, make a strong push. Sure. Yeah. Um, looking at their baseball reference page here as a team, kind of shocking stretch, I guess, around May 2nd. And this is going all the way to May 17th. Um, they went on this stretch of 15 straight games where they either lost or won by only one run. So, like, that's a kind of a crazy 15-game skid where, like, even though you won four of those 15, uh, you lost nine of them. Uh, I did that wrong. You lost, what, 11 of them? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, when you did win, you kind of barely squeaked out a win. And um, 
overall my mindset is more about process than results and when your process is you're barely winning but then you're losing by a good amount yeah that's not going to be a good long term for you probably it's kind of an indication that um you know it's good it's good to squeak out a win by one when you can but Mm -hmm. um if you're only winning by one it's usually kind of an indication that you know you're kind of barely hanging on versus like you know being really clutch i'd say i think that's the difference in my mind and then they did win one game five to one against toronto and then they had that four game sweep Mm -hmm. in boston so just a really rough stretch for them um throughout all of may really maybe one of the biggest uh you know if you, made, if, you made, if you made a May only like power ranking for teams, like they'd be towards the bottom just in terms of like Definitely. what you expected versus what ended up happening for them. Huge skid. Um, but yeah, I don't want to just kind of dogpile. But Charles, at the same time, I don't want to dogpile, but I do want to kind of say we kind of saw this coming and mm-hmm. it feels good to kind of call it out um, when it is panning out. We were not high on them at the end of the last season. And going into this season, they're one of the teams I picked as like my uh, not impressed team. Mm-hmm. Charles, I just want to take a quick little second to kind of brag a bit because my my picks so far have been really good in terms of that first episode mm-hmm. um we said like what teams were high and low on i said i was low on seattle and the white Sox, and the white Sox are also struggling i think i was high on the yankees who are doing great so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know everybody listen to me if you want <laughs> if you want to know the future but no yeah um, and and I'll, I'll brag a little bit too a little bit but uh for me the twins i i was I was always thinking they could be an underdog team. Right now, they're doing so well. They are first place in the Central and got a four-and-a-half game lead. I mean, a four-and-a-half game lead, and we're we're just about – it's almost June 1st. I mean, yeah. if, if you're The taking, White Sox are really not – It's interesting, uh, yeah, how how much competing. they're struggling right now. Um, and even looking at the run differential, Alex, minus 45. I mean, they're up That's there. That's the White Sox? Uh, the White Sox. Really? Minus 45. They have a worse run differential right now than the Orioles and the Oakland A's in the uh, in, Dude, in, in, in Major League Baseball. So That's not good. I mean, getting beat really, really badly. And then, of course, just edging some of these games out and taking them, you know, 5-4, 4-3. And they have had injury issues, but you're getting a great start from Tim Anderson. You're getting a great start from Cease overall. Some bad games, but some really good games from him. Kopech, too. I think Um, he's got a 125 ERA or something like that. A lot lot of stuff is going your way, but, you know, I mean, I will say you you wish you'd have Lynn there. Um, I know Robert's missed some games, um, but Robert's been, you know. Moncada came back, I believe. Yeah, missed games, though, right? Last 10 games or something like that. So... There are reasons to kind of say. I think I think Eloy missed time as well. So th- there is a there is an element of you know, let's get healthy for the second half and we could turn this around for sure. But that run differential is definitely oh, it's a huge concern. Not even surprising. Just like yeah. I'm just kind of shocked. Like this is this is uh, you know this is looking like it really might not be. Uh, I mean, I mean, every team in the NL West has a better, you know, run differential right now than the White Sox, which is, you know, that's nuts. That's pretty crazy to think about. It, you know, Colorado and Arizona kind of fallen off so far right now, but yeah, I mean, that's that's a big concern. And I mean, I, I I think that, I mean, I'll probably keep telling myself that it's just gonna, they're, you know, coming June, they're probably gonna come through and you know start playing good baseball. But we'll see. Uh, I know they're gonna get Lance Lynn back, I believe, this month. So if, if he can help them out in the rotation, then that'd be a huge plus. And then, of course, that offense can do their job. But uh, very concerning so far right now. And the White Sox have just been taking advantage of them, you know, and taking advantage of the division and the league so far with uh, with their four and a half uh, game lead right now. So far, that is tied with the Yankees with the uh, the biggest game lead so far for uh, division winners. OK, so, OK. Uh, very, I guess, still very tight races going on in the American League. I know, you know, Astros 
three and a half right now over the Angels. And then, of course, the Yankees over the Rays and then, you know, twins over the White Sox. So very, very interesting so far for the American League with those divisions. But yeah, uh, I, I I don't it, it, if you told me before the season that the White Sox are not going to make the postseason, it would definitely surprise me. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm I was gonna... I was banking on them. I, I, I mean, like you said, I mean, they had the highest odds in Vegas for winning a division out of any team. So, I mean, it just seemed like a slam dunk. And yeah, it's it, it's it's looking and I'm not. And again, I'm not going to say scary, but it's just looking, you know, a little bit odd so far with the run differential and the games back that you're kind of thinking, you know, what really is going on right now? Why is this team not being able to figure it out? Does a new manager have to come to the helm sometime during the season? Does, is La Russa not going to be, you know, cut out for the job for the second half? We'll see. I mean, right now, this team needs to be doing better than 23 and 23, 500 baseball. So. Fi- yeah. Firing Larusa would be one of the craziest turn events. I do honestly think he's one of the worst managers in mm-hmm. baseball, and that's you know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it's I, I don't prime. I, I don't want to sound like I'm just trying to like rip on the guy for being you know old and you know obviously I think if you listen to the podcast you know that I'm kind of favoring the new school, but there's just so many times where he runs out a lineup with like some guy batting third that should be batting eighth and some guy batting sixth that should be batting second. Like, it's just like, there's just not a good understanding of like how to run a team in like the modern era, I guess. I mean, like that is like the epitome that, that is, that is the meme with James Franco hanging on the noose. And when he says first time, I think that's literally angel fans and white Sox fans, because I think we can all agree. Some of these lineups are a question mark. So, right. And, And, um, you know, the, Angels have had similar issues, of course. Uh, I even always look at the Astros and like batting Tucker sixth, like pretty much every game, is just it's just mind-boggling. I understand you want to kind of keep some distance between uh, between your Don and mm-hmm. Tucker because mm-hmm. they're the two big lefties in your lineup. But it should be second and fourth, not fourth and yeah. sixth. Yeah. It, it really should. I mean, Brantley, if Brantley's healthy and he's mashing, you know, it, it sucks to kind of put him down at sixth. But Tucker's Tucker is such a better overall hitter than i think yeah anyone on their team besides your don so yeah um yeah at least one thing with dusty is that you know he's got a pitching staff that will you know shove it every single night and will get him wins no matter what the lineup is exactly so, that, I, I that mean, much is true and, and he, even, he's in a good spot even so. even hitting six tucker will still have so much value yeah, yeah. um but yeah just another example of like these older managers i think just using a really kind of um, I guess just a, a philosophy I, dis- philosophy, I, dis- yeah. I disagree with in terms of you know yeah. building the team and managing the the, the resources of the team. Yeah. Because we mentioned this whole White Sox, um, you know, disappointment thing. I'm looking up their Fangraphs projections, and the Fangraphs as of right now gives the White Sox a 48 percent chance to win the division, and the Twins a 45. So it okay. really kind of has them almost as a 50 50. Yeah. And they're giving a little five percent, just kind of courtesy to the guardians which would be a super surprising <laughs> turnaround of course but they're yeah. still as of right now um i think the what are they guardians right now are uh seven games back of minnesota okay. and uh right now 19 and 24 but still of course fighting they're just a pesky yes. they're just gonna be a pesky team that's gonna be hovering at that 500 mark almost all season i don't plan on seeing them win 82 games but it wouldn't be a surprise at all um, but the, the the Guardians right now are just kind of that team where they'll take a series, lose a series, take a series, you know, kind of just back and forth, back and forth. So um, I think we can. I, I think it's pretty cut and clear that the that the Guardians, Tigers, and Royals are are pretty much out of the contention for the for the division, or you know, even probably the playoffs as well. 
Um, it's a two-team race in the Central, Minnesota and the White Sox. Um, it's it's pretty clear cut to say that that th- those two teams are going to be um, you know fighting for it in September. But it's interesting to see that Cleveland has a better run differential right now than, of course, the White Sox and even like the Toronto Blue Jays who are at minus one. Wow. So uh, we saw how strong Toronto is. They're a great team, but. Um, with the run differential and the negatives and, you know, you have 27 wins. That's a little bit of a, of a kind of a concern that you're not, you know, you're not really bashing some of these opponents too, too much. You're sure. almost letting them hang in the ball game a little bit longer. So um, there are some mm-hmm. weaknesses on some of those teams. Yeah. I'm looking at the rest of the kind of the fan graphs projections for the American league. And there's a few teams that have over 90% to make the playoffs. That's like the Yankees, the blue Jays and the Astros right mm-hmm. now. Yep. And then there's like four teams that are in this over between the 60 and 70% chance. And that's the Rays, the White Sox, the Twins, and the Angels. So okay. that's that's seven teams. And obviously six can make it. Um, and then everyone else is, is a lot below that. Like the Red Sox are down at 37% to make the playoffs. And that's interesting because they've, I mean, they've. Mariners they've, are 8%. And they've caught fire. Is, they have really caught right. fire. And they're one team right now that I am. I'm a little just concerned with just because I well, as an angel fan, because you knew um, they were going to be one team that they're going to be in competition. Um, I know we've said that they have not played too many tough, tough conference games or I'm sorry, conference division games yet. So that might, of course, be helpful in the end for a team like the Angels. But they really have caught fire. I think they what was it? Eight of 11. They won or something like that. They, they, um, they were definitely on a big hot streak. And I think they really just kind of um, even though they still have a really, you know, like like we just said about like a, yep. a one third chance to make the playoffs according to Fangraphs' projections. They they recently just had a series where I feel like they kind of missed a big opportunity. Um, let me see where that was. Well, that might have been the uh, was it Orioles? Yeah, they lost. Okay. They lost uh, two games to Baltimore in their okay. last series when it really felt like they could have. Um, if you Taking can, advantage. if you can sweep that series, you know it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a big deal in terms of that division and just your overall kind of how you see the season kind of progressing. But they have had an offensive explosion because they did beat Baltimore 12 to 2. They beat the White Sox 16 to 7. They beat the White Sox 16 to 3. That's all in the last week yeah, or so. Yeah. So there, I, I honestly want to see what their 10 games ago. I really wonder what their run differential was. I know it was in the negatives, but now it is just bursted and now it's plus 27. So it's funny wow. that like in one week you've just exploded for these runs that you're just, you know, the, the trajectory from where you were going to be going, you know, three weeks ago has just completely shifted. Um, I, I know with, I think Trevor story, honestly, getting hot, that team has just gotten so, so good. And, and even, you know, looking at some of their players right now, Devers, Bogarts, uh, even JD Martinez, we'll be talking about some of those guys later on in the episode for our all MLB uh, through the season so far. But I mean, they have just all caught fire right now. I think the big question is the bullpen and the starting pitching, if it can last all the way through the season, because they definitely have some big mashers on that team. Yeah. Yeah. And so looking back at like these seven teams, I mentioned the Astros, the Astros, and then the big two in the AL, which is the Yankees and the Blue Jays. They are over 90%, four teams above 60% being the Rays, White Sox, Twins, and Angels. That's seven teams. If I told you one of those teams, I'm just going to say for the sake of this exercise, we'll ignore the Red Sox, even though they have a chance. We'll ignore the Guardians and the Mariners, even though they have a chance. Um, Which of those seven, you have to cut one. Who would you you be expecting to come up short here? The Rays, the Twins, White Sox, or Angels? It's a really tough one for me. It is. I I mean, 
I think a lot of people could say the Angels just because of, you know, the curse, di- curse the, franchise that and the division they play. And also, um, j- like you said, just coming up in the end, not having enough in the tank to really get the job done. Uh, you know, I also want to lean on a central team because I just don't think those teams are very strong, but they do have to play teams like Detroit and Kansas City and even the Guardians, you know. 60 times during the season so i think that that gives them a a little bit of a good shot and then um during the you know the one thing about the east though is they have to play each other so much and and we've seen so far baltimore is a team that honestly just should not get messed around with right now um it seems like baltimore can just hand it to every single team in in the league so far they'll just sneak a win from every series they will not gonna they're not gonna be a threat in any means in terms of the end of the season stuff but they're not gonna let you beat them up because they are calling up you know young talented players exactly exactly and so far right now they have the second best winning percentage when it comes to a last place team so they are still handing it to teams that are going to be playing them they still have good pitching still have a really good offense um they can get the job done so i mean that's what's going to be tough too. I'd probably, I mean, I'd probably lean on one of the central teams. I think one of them will either, either the white Sox will just never figure it out or the twins will just kind of, you know, flicker out. I I know I've been looking at bucks and numbers and, you know, his numbers are still decent, but he's kind of just starting to fade out as, you know, the way he started during the season, the first month, Alex, I mean, we were looking at guy could really win an MVP this season, just looking at the war numbers. Um, it was it was insane, but now the, the the batting has gone down a little bit. So, pitching staff could go down a little bit. Um, you know, Joe Ryan's been awesome so far, and I hope he continues to be, be you know do very well. But uh, you know, will Bundy be able to hold it up? Will Gray be able to hold it up? Um, and will some of those guys on the uh, on the bullpen be able to hold it up as well? So, uh, Minnesota Twins are still my team that I'm going to be a little bit. I would say down on just because I'm not 100% bought in just yet. But sure. um, but yeah, I mean, what, what a crazy start with teams that we have not expected so far uh, taking taking aim on some of these on, on some of these division races. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I really I, I like your argument about how like the central is kind of weaker at the bottom. Therefore, you expect the Twins and White Sox to probably sneak out some series that they might not play that great, but you're mm-hmm. still you're still gonna beat the Royals in the series. You're still gonna beat the Tigers in the series. So that makes a lot of sense, um, and it, it kind of works against a team like the Rays, who the Rays, you know, like you said, like 60 plus of their games are gonna be against the Yankees, the Blue Jays, or the Red Sox, who are all teams that have proven they are not oh, to yeah. be messed with. So um, I, I I can't count out the Rays because they always end up getting the job done. But being currently third in that division and just knowing how many times you're going to play these other other teams is definitely something that makes you say okay um if things don't click for them they could definitely have some trouble i think if they were to end up get a, a guy like glass now back i think the last i heard glass now is like he wants to be ready by the end of the regular season but there's just no way to know and, and, and they have to kind of just see how rehab goes yeah um and honestly why you almost don't want to question mark that kind of talent for his career you know sure you, you almost want to just say you know what we'll see where we're at the end, end of the season take it from there but you know let's look at 2023 as a as a timeline to come back so sure yeah and i think for the rays it comes down to if they can get glass now and or baz back um baz i think supposed to be back at some point here i'm not sure when he he was on il 60 to start the season but um you know that's about time's about up for that i'm not sure if they're gonna have to put him back on il again but Mm -hmm. i do think that uh, adding a pitcher like that is gonna you know boost him that much more because it's a guy for really like the first or second spot of their rotation next to McClanahan. So 
that could be highly impactful for them. But if they just kind of stay in this spot of some injuries here and there um, and, you know, playing all these tough teams in the AL East, I might say that they would really be um, in the thick of a wild card race that they might end up, you know, struggling in a little bit to kind of keep yep. up. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one, my gut, my heart is saying agree with Travis. The central teams are not as deep as the AL East teams. And I do agree with that. But yep. it just comes down to, you know, how difficult is your schedule coming up? How many times do you have to play these other juggernauts? Um, I mean, we saw last year, I think that, I mean, the Tigers were a good team last year. They really showed that they could, you know, and at least in the second half, they could keep up with some of the good teams. But they won, I think, what was it, 78 games last year. And, you know, a lot of other teams in the league did not do that. And we, we I think we just saw that they just beat up on, on you know, Cleveland at the time on Kansas City on the twins because they were not good last year and they just did a good job of taking those series um, whenever they the, they played those opponents but I feel like I feel like when the Tigers played you know maybe the Yankees the Rays the Blue Jays the Red Sox those teams probably of course would struggle very very much against those teams but when you play you know almost half your schedule against kind of just a weak division that can really be a good uh, recipe for success for them so far. But I, you know, that, that that's one thing I look at. That's one thing that scares me about the central is that they can get two teams in just because they might beat up on three of the uh, five teams that are just, you know, exactly. struggling throughout the season. So that's one concern of mine for, uh, for being an angels fan and for being, uh, you know, looking at that outcome for the playoffs. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I want to switch over now to a short, another short topic. I mentioned McClanahan on the race, Travis. He's had a great start to the season. Um, I'm curious as to what you would say about what... So, like, there's lots of pitchers' injuries right now. Mm -hmm. Scherzer's out. DeGrom's out. Let's look at healthy pitchers right now. Mm -hmm. He's a top what healthy pitcher in baseball right now, do you think? And I'm not saying this season, like, the first two months. Mm -hmm. like, Like, I'm not saying, like, an all MLB team. I'm just saying, like... You're talking about pitchers right now. Ignore the contracts. Mm-hmm. Who do you want on your team? Health that guys that are healthy. He's a top what pitcher? What's your thought on that? And you're meaning you're talking about McClanahan? Yes. Well, we'll talk about it later. But uh, he's uh, he's gonna be a top five. He's top five for you so far this season. Top five for me right now. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll be sure to you know talk about him later on in this episode. Okay. Yeah. So we are doing our all MLB team up to this point. Later on. Uh, I guess a spoiler alert, he is also going to be talked about by me at that <laughs> yeah. point. So I guess we'll just save that topic for yeah. I- I- yeah. down the road. But yeah. but off to, I mean, you look at those numbers. I mean, I think the big one that I'll talk about will be uh, innings pitch to uh, strikeouts. It's it's pretty unreal right now what we're seeing from him. So uh, he's leading that charge for the Rays. And like you said, if they got Baz and they got um, no, Glass now Glass now back, that would be a insane one, two, three punch from the Rays that uh, I, I don't think much. I don't think too many teams in the American League could handle, uh, a, a, you know, a one, two, three punch of that magnitude. So um, that would be very interesting and very cool to have the Rays, especially if they got like a five seed and then you got to go against like a four seed in the playoffs. And then you just say, oh, we got, you know, we got Baz and we got Glass now back. So, you know, good luck. You know, that, right. that, that'd be pretty crazy, especially in a three game series. Right. And, and in that really stacked division going against these teams that all have righties that can really mash like you know the blue jays of course yeah obviously the yankees and the red sox all have guys like that um 
he is still able to get a 36.3% strikeout rate so far this season. Over a third of the batters he faces get struck out. He's walking less than 6% of the guys he faces. Yep. Um, it's a really impressive start from him for so many reasons, but we can save the rest of that for later on. Um, Travis, let me see where we should go next. So um, I guess one thing we can touch on uh, is the Trevor Story turnaround mm-hmm. because he has had a start that is almost a tale yeah. of two different players. The first part, um, I would say maybe... The first the f- part is getting booed almost every at-bat. Uh, the first month, yeah. it's, it's like a month plus, right? It was, yeah. like, it was like the first month plus of the season. He honestly looked like one of the worst signings of the offseason, one of the biggest fails, and it totally matched up how the Red Sox were like fourth in the division, were dropping series to everybody. I think they were fifth at one point, not, not yeah. too... Not too early in the season. They were um, they were below Baltimore. Yeah, I think honestly three weeks ago they were below Baltimore. And so with that in mind, story completely turns it around. It starts off with a huge like yeah like a three home run game with like seven ribbies, and then, then a couple of days later a couple more home runs. He has just been on fire ever since. And Travis, I was checking some stuff today. He actually is thirtieth in baseball amongst all position players in terms of Fangraphs WAR. Wow. He's top thirty. So that means like, you know, imagine one guy per team like is better than him, but that's it. Like uh, literally three weeks ago, we he both negative. We both probably would have said like, this guy is just washed. He is not what he once was. That would have been very reactionary on our part. But, you know, I think that it's really just surprising how he not only so quickly turned it around, but he's obviously has good speed and plays a good, a good glove. So with that in mind, he's able to really rack up that war. He could still get MVP votes. Um, oh, definitely especially if the Red Sox kind of flirt with the with the wild card run, we would not see that coming if if we were, you know, doing this, you know, just two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But and give me any other thoughts you have on story right now so far. And and we were covering him covering him a lot, I think be, uh to start off that month, the month of May. Um they played the Angels in a three game series. He just looked awful. Did not I know I think every single bat that he was coming to the plate, he was just getting booed by the whole entire ballpark at Fenway. So uh, to turn around that much, um, that's what the Red Sox needed. That's what they uh, th- to show it. That's really kind of been their turnaround. I mean, since he has gotten hot, they have won. I think, like I said, it's been eight of eleven or something like that. He has just kind of been that spark so far. Um, we knew Dahlback was, you know, on the on, on at playing first base was a struggle at least. Just yeah. yeah, just a huge struggle so far during the season, and then to have him struggle that right side of the infield, I, I would love to see what that right side of the infield's WAR and OPS numbers were because um, it, you know that that's not at all going to help in you know production for that team to get you know wins against that division. But what he's done so far um, really turned the team around. Uh, the home runs have just been the biggest number I think to look at, and I think he'll get a lot of uh, consideration for you know May Player of the Month. Uh, votes by uh, by some of the writers but I mean he's really helped and turned that team around so far and then guys like Devers and Bogarts are of course you know producing as always JD Martinez doing very well Um, the pitching staff has done enough to get them to this far so you know kudos to them but uh, you know what we've seen what we like I said what we saw three weeks ago just really can't explain the turnaround from Trevor's story it's just been pretty incredible yeah uh, I think just it's hard to imagine like such a he was doing just so poorly and is doing so well right now. He uh, for sure could end up being the best. He could end up being the best 2022 um, of that shortstop class. He could end up being the best contract for this year of Easily. all of them. And we were saying he was the worst uh, not too long ago. So 
Um, maybe it will end up being a story of <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Maybe it'll end up being a case where teams like the Yankees really feel like they missed out um, when they could have got this guy for you know a few years, you know five six years, and uh, you know a I mean it, reasonable it, deal too. It yeah. would have been it would have been a good amount of money. Um, compared to a guy like Kiner Falefa, who they are paying instead, but it, it definitely could be something that ends up making some teams regret not uh, going out on a limb for him. Despite the slow start, he is picking it up so fast. Um, a couple more things before we get into the All MLB, Travis. I do want to touch quickly on how good the Yankees pitching is right now. Um, it is, as a team, just incredibly impressive. Cole has not even been like I know a masterful yet. He's been has some very solid starts, but he's also had a couple starts where you kind of question like you know he didn't really have his best stuff today. But as a staff, they've just been so impressive. Um, so Cole has a three point one two ERA. Nestor Cortez is leading the the starters with a one point seven zero ERA. But then uh, Tyone is below a three ERA, and then Severino and Montgomery both below a three point four ERA. So the whole staff is below a three four ERA. Each of them individually are below that number. The bullpen, Chapman has been highly questionable, but the ERA being a below a four is still overall a positive. Clay Holmes has been probably the best non-closer in all of baseball in terms of relief pitchers. Uh, and then there's other just, you know, positive um, positive contributors like Michael King. Uh, the area is above a three, but he has thrown 29 innings in 15 games. So he's a guy who gives you multiple innings of relief, and he's done it at a really successful clip. Um, Wandy Peralta's got good numbers. Uh Unfortunately, they have some guys in the IL, like Chad Green, like Loisiga, but um, other guys are just stepping up for them, like Clark Schmidt. Um, the list goes on, Travis. But um, I think that this is something that really needed to happen for them to be this successful because um, we know they have the bats. But I guess give me your thoughts on how the pitching may have contributed to their hot start and I guess what you think of how they performed uh, thus far. And we don't really think of the Yankees as, uh, you know, pitching dominant. They're just the, his, the, the his, bats. Historically, of course. It's know. always about the bats, the Bronx Bombers. But when you have an offense that they do, that's very, very good. And then, of course, you pair that with that pitching staff so far in the bullpen. Um, you're going to get probably the best team in baseball, and rightfully so. They are, I think, number one on a lot of people's power rankings. Probably if I had to make mine too, they'd be number one. Um, everything's clicking, the bullpen, the defense, the offense, the starting rotation, um, everything is doing B plus to a plus, uh, you know, ranking kind of job. So what a start it's been and what a start it's been for some of these, you know, under the radar kind of guys to have Cole be, you know, not even top two when it comes to ERA from the starting rotation, that's pretty incredible, but he's still doing, uh, you know, solid, solid, you know, work so far that I, I have no question that he'll get back to, you know, cold form by season's end. Probably, of course, get a lot of uh, get a lot of recognition still for Cy Young votes. But his teammate Nestor right now, kind of is stealing that uh, stealing that, you know, limelight, as we say right now for uh, for the pitching for the for the Yankees and for all of baseball. But uh, what a start and pitching has just been the biggest formula for their success, I think so far. And like you said, their bullpen, Clay Holmes, um, he's the best reliever in baseball right now. And I think they got him for nothing from the, from the Pittsburgh pirates and really turned him into a superstar. So that's my take on the Yankees and, you know, pitching staff has been outstanding. Yeah. And, and honestly, the bats as good as judge has been and Stan even still has been really, really solid as well. Overall, not super impressive, you know, a great start from Rizzo. Yep. 
um, especially in that first month. Glaber has really bounced back in a way where he's at least much better than last year and, and 2020 Glaber. Not quite 2019 numbers, but still um, a well above average hitter, especially for a second playing second base. But Kiner Falefa, Gallo, Hicks, Higashioka, all below average bats so far this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then guy like Marwin Gonzalez is one of their utility guys, below average bat. A guy like Andujar, utility guy, below average bat. They have to go out there and get guys like uh, Matt Carpenter and call up guys like Esteban Floreal, call up these guys to kind of figure something out because some of these other bats are not waking up. Also, Stanton, 10-day IL, Josh Donaldson, 10-day IL. Because of this stuff, they're calling up random guys. I saw one of their batting orders just a few days ago, Travis. They went from having one of the scariest lineups in baseball to a couple days ago. They were batting like it was, I think, Judge was second. Uh, Glaber was third. And then fourth was like Matt Carpenter. It's like, wait, what, what's what's happening here? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened to this stacked team? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, the guys you just signed or just called up have to bat fourth and fifth because – we're so shallow with the injuries combined with some of the poor performers of Gallo, who also was on the IL for a bit, I believe. Um, some of these guys, and then Kiner Falefa, of course, been a, a really solid glove, but a below average bat. So because of these kind of uh, turn of events with their with their batting order, their pitching needed to step up, and it really has. I think that's the big story of their success so far. It's Aaron Judge plus elite pitching it's been a great formula for them so definitely definitely um that's what's made them successful so far last topic before we get into that all mlb team travis is today there has been some monster shots already and it's only about four o'clock uh (laughs) your don alvarez hit a 469 foot just pulled one um at uh in oakland this morning at uh at at sea level i'll point that out yes and (laughs) and i think it went like yeah like second deck in like that alpha that's super like kind of uh, the outfit's weird because like you can hit a first that deck. That ballpark is, is the, weird. Yeah. The, the first deck in like right center is like is a monster shot because yeah. like the first deck's kind of elevated in a weird way. But he crushed this ball, and then uh, Jesus Sanchez of the Miami Marlins was playing in Coors and hit a ball that was four feet shy of being a 500 foot bomb. It was Crazy. the top of the third deck in right field. It was a weird pitch. I think it was like a slider, but it was like a mid 80s kind of breaking ball in on his hands and he just got it all the way around on it and just muscled it um as far as like almost home run derby status like last uh, home run derby in coors so i'm wondering travis and also i'll point out um the last week or so at least from what we've observed watching angels baseball at least on sunday um it was 11 versus 10 loss for the angels but um, the Jays and Angels both had a big power weekend, I feel like. There were some dead ball moments in my mind on like Saturday and Friday where like you had some warning track flyouts by like Matt Chapman, yep. by Danny Jansen, um, I think by Otani as well in center field. But then like just on Sunday, Stassi went deep. Uh, a bunch of guys were going deep um, on both teams. And then just this morning, all of a sudden, we see these 450 plus foot homers i do wonder if maybe they're changing the ball a bit we know mid-season they're not afraid to do so just i thought i wanted to point out in case we start seeing things really kind of flip in terms of the power numbers i think it's possible that the mlb wants the product to be you know um more offense equals more excitement and that kind of just makes sense so um i will say i think that earlier this week the cardinals might have put up it was something. Well, I know they, they oh, let's see, it was last last Sunday they put up 
18 against the Pirates. Okay, yes. And I thought I saw it somewhere else, but I thought they I thought they put up 23 one game or something like that. It might have been another team, another red team. But um, it seems like the Cardinals are always that team that will put up those explosive numbers. Like we saw that one game with sure. Don. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see some games where you have a huge outlier of just runs being scored, home runs, balls leaving the ballpark at a at a premium rate so uh you know you really wonder are there some games they're experimenting with are some games you know more of just kind of just you know it's just an outlier you know it just it just happened because it happened but uh right it, it is interesting to see when some of those series are going uh are going pretty nuts and so i know this year or this season i mean this week angels are playing yankees so interested to see because it'll be i mean a lot of tension we watching that game otani trout in new york against the best team in baseball um I'm sure they want to see long flies, uh, you know, all throughout the series. Yeah. It could be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think one of the games is like on a national broadcast or maybe like FS1 or something like that. So those are the games where you always want to look at and be like, okay, is something else going to happen here than, than something, different, fishy, something yeah. different than usual? But overall, um, like what you said about the Cardinals too, the Cardinals offense is really rolling right now. The, some of the young guys, I think Gorman today um, really popped off. I think he had uh, two balls over 105 miles an hour off the bat. Mm-hmm. So um overall offense maybe swinging back um in this kind of you know getting into like the middle third of the season i think maybe we could see things kind of swing back in favor of the hitters but you know we'll see how things keep going i wanted to give a brief update on that um but now we will get into our all our all mlb teams travis this is uh just to remind the viewers from beginning of the season until now who is our best team? We got catchers, all infield, all outfield, DH, starting pitching, closer, and then we'll do a Mr. Man of the Month. Um, our Mr. Best player, May, that's right. Our our best player of the month. So, Travis, we'll start off with catchers like we always do. Um, how about you go first? <laughs> you start us off. Catcher of the season so far. Will who do. do you, who do you got? Will do, and it's going to be Dodgers catcher Will Smith. So okay. far right now, he is my catcher of the year, or at least, you know, makes my all MLB catcher right now. He's been such a high name we've been talking about for the last couple of years. I think during our rankings this year, Alex, for the best catcher, um, he was, you know, top three, top five on both of ours. So uh, Will Smith is going to be so far. He is my number one catcher. You know, 1.1 war does not lead war for catchers right now. I think Rio Muto might lead that, but 1.1 war, at least a war over one. Um, and so far, batting average at a 246, uh, pretty good for a catcher. But the big number, of course, on base, a 354 uh, on base percent on base percentage for Will Smith, uh, 764 OPS and a 115 OPS plus so far. Um, that's pretty impressive when it comes to all the catchers and meeting all of the plate appearances or at bats requirements. But one number that's really crazy, Alex, is that he has a uh, his walk to strikeout ratio is 20 to 23. So, I mean, I mean pretty crazy that we might see a guy have pretty similar amount of walks to strikeouts as a catcher yes um for one season and so will smith so far has been uh putting that up together and you know if you can do that as a catcher i mean that's you're really scoring yourself some style points in my in my opinion so uh what a great start again for will smith um he's kind of putting himself as that you know premier catcher in the big so far uh this season i'd say at least but uh that'll be my catcher who do you got yeah, so me went a different direction. Um, I'm going with Wilson Contreras. Okay. And Travis, it always comes down to this. I think this was one of the harder, it's one of the harder, at least, yeah, it's probably one of the most difficult all MLB teams have had to make yep. just because 
it really came down to there's so many guys who are either maybe they're playing really really well right now and i think they're about to kind of that's true regress a bit yep. but then there's some guys who are like you said like will smith who i think will smith is going to be better um at the all-star break numbers wise better at least by the end of the season for sure than a guy like wilson Contreras, at least in my opinion but as of right now i decided to go with the right now numbers and i think right now Wilson Contreras earns my pick. He has a 256 average, so mm -hmm. nothing too special, but a nice 377 on base, a 466 slugging, so that's good for a 139 OPS plus. Very good. He has eight doubles. He has six homers. So nothing too mind blowing there. But overall, um, has just been really solid um, in terms of uh, the Fangraphs rankings for uh, WAR. Fangraphs WAR for catchers. He is. Second behind Dalton Varsho, but Dalton Varsho also does play center field. So, mm -hmm. um, in terms of a pure catcher, um, Wilson Contreras is the guy um, on that leaderboard at least. Travis, I think for catchers, there's almost like four or five guys I feel like I can make an argument for. Oh, definitely. I think Will Smith at the end of this season might be the guy who we can universally say is the best catcher in baseball. Um, that, that that's doing some projection of course it depends how he finishes the year off yeah I mean I, but, I, I'll say Real Muto Grandal and Salvador Perez have made it kind of easy for us to not pick them um, those guys have kind of I, I would definitely say have fallen off a little bit um, especially sure. with some of their offensive numbers it's just not you know what Will Smith is putting up and you know what he's doing consistently so um, that's I think one one argument we'll have to have at the end of the season for you know best catcher there's definitely gonna be some changes in the uh, in the position power rankings in uh in seasons to come of course definitely and and i think honestly Grandal's almost i'm not i have to look it up for sure but he may have had more games played as dh than mm -hmm. catcher this season he's done so much dhing because his bat he's like really unique with his great his great eye and, and the power he has but in terms of a catcher an everyday catcher it really feels like will smith it might be his position going forwards but there are still so many other guys i think that have made a case for themselves to be like my guy for this yep. position right now like sean murphy has over one war on fan graphs he has uh, i think five homers is it yeah it's five five homers so nothing too mind-blowing there but uh is a great defensive catcher with overall solid numbers jonah heim travis oh yeah um, the games played are not as high as uh, some other guys but still over 30 games played 113 plate appearances a lot fewer plate appearances than, than wilson Contreras, but only behind them by 0.1 war so um a lot to like about Jonah Heim. A 139 WRC plus shows that he has been a really elite batter. Um, just great numbers from him across the board. Uh, and then even guys like Real Muto, uh, if you like, you know, the stuff he provides, brings to the table, even though the, the bat's not been great this year. Uh, another bat that's been really kind of special is William Contreras, but he has like a really low, low number, only 17 games played. So mm -hmm. you probably kind of discount that to a small sample size. And Travis, I even think Max Dassey is someone that needs to be in the conversation at least. He has a 120 WRC plus, so he's been a really solid hitter. 330 on base for him, a 417 slugging for him, a great defensive glove behind the plate. We both know that, talk about that all the time. Uh, four home runs so far. And the reason why I bring him up is because he's only played 24 games, 94 plate appearances, yet he's 12th in Fangraph's war amongst catchers. He's actually tied with Will Smith in Fangraph's war amongst catchers despite playing about 50 fewer games so wow. i think that max dassey is someone who the injury bug and uh, this time it was actually COVID il but last year was injury bug this year he missed a COVID stretch so if he can put together like a 
100, 110, 120 games played season. I don't think it's likely just because the Angels uh, rock with him probably four times a week, five <laughs> times a week, like never yes. six or seven times a week. So because of that, it'll and plus a random IL stint here or there or a day-to-day stint here or there, it'll probably impact his play time. But I do think that when things are going right for Max Stassi, um, in terms of his play time, the numbers are always there. He's so valuable. So um, the catcher position, Travis, I think is so deep right now that um, I, I'm not even sure if I mean to say deep. It's just so um, anyone's to grab, I guess. Yeah. Like for the first, like maybe by the all-star break, I have no idea who's going to be the all-stars for the, each league's catcher. Will Smith makes tons of sense. I think he's the best catcher, but will he have the best numbers in the NL? I don't know. Because yeah. it could be Wilson, Wilson Contreras. It could be. Omar Navais on the on the Milwaukee. I mean, there could be so many guys. Yeah, Real Muto could, could sneak back in there. Um, yeah, for the AL, maybe Alejandro Kirk pops off with his bat, and that carries him all the way there because he has a 371 on base. So, you know, tons of guys are making their cases, and it's going to be really fun to track, I think. But, it is. It is. Uh, we can move on to first base now. That was kind of long-winded, but first base, Travis, I'll start us off here. Get, go ahead and give me your uh, right side. Okay, cool. Yeah, sounds good. First and second base, Travis. Um, a couple more positions who I think um, lots of guys can kind of be in the conversation. But for me, first base, I went with Paul Goldschmidt um, with what he's done the first two months. And uh, my second baseman, I went with someone who uh, I'll just say it's Tommy Edmond. He has recently switched to shortstop um, the last couple of weeks since they called up Nolan Gorman. But still many more games played at second base than shortstop so far this season. If someone were to put him as a shortstop, I have no problem with that at all because I think by the end of the season, he'll have more games played at short. But I went with Goldschmidt and Edmund on my right side. So who we, do you got? We think alike. Same guys? Okay. Same guys, yeah. I mean, Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. And what Goldschmidt's been doing for the past, what has it been, two weeks, Alex? I mean, he has been going off. Um, some of these numbers are insane. Leads the NL in hits and also leads the NL in slugging percentage and OPS uh, and total bases. So he's really putting a threat to Manny Machado, I think, for the NL MVP so far this season, the first two months. Um, so Goldschmidt, I think, is a pretty easy decision. I think in it was uh, it was in April, I think we both picked Rizzo, but I think we both knew that it was not going to stay there for long. You know, it, it was just kind of a first month kind of luck. We'll see what can happen as the, you know, as the, as the months go on and keep on progressing. But Goldschmidt is, of course, the in my opinion, he is right now the best first baseman in the game, at least this season. And then Edmund, I think we talked about him last week or we talked about him two weeks ago. Um, just kind of being a Mr. Everybody, Mr. Everything kind of guy where defense, base running, hitting, you know, everything he does very, very well. So uh, I think he is third in war for the all MLB um, and actually only behind Mike Trout and Manny Machado, a 129 OPS plus. 10 stolen bases, four home runs. Not a big power guy, but of course, gets on base and of course, steals bags. So he is a, uh, I think he's kind of a, a traditional second baseman if you look at history and all those kind of guys. But teammates are doing a just fantastic job so far. Yeah, I think that Goldschmidt, I agree with what you said. He is kind of putting pressure as of right now on a Machado MVP just because of how productive he's being. If he can get the Cardinals to the playoffs, it, he'll be probably considered the best player in the team, at least the best hitter in the team at that point. Uh, picking up slack for a guy like maybe um, a guy like Tyler O'Neill who had a slow start, kind of Goldschmidt's almost kind of uh, making up for it. Yeah. But I do want to say... I think looking at some of the numbers here on Fangrass, I think that Paul Goldschmidt, 
I think it's going to be kind of like a Rizzo last month. I think he is going to fall off by a little bit because mm-hmm. obviously the, the, the 352 average is not sustainable. Yeah. That's going to come down by quite a bit. He has a 406 Babbitt, just meaning that uh, 40% of the balls he hits in play land for a hit. And no other third uh, first baseman is really close to that number, at least towards the top of this leaderboard. Tells me he's getting a lot of good luck in terms of he hits the ball in play. It drops more than most other guys right now. I think a guy like Pete Alonso, Travis, or mm-hmm. or Ty France, or, that's Fer- very true. or Freddie yeah. Freeman. I think one of those three, that's my guess. Alonso, France, or Freeman, I think will probably pass him in terms of the OPS numbers um, by All-Star break, maybe a little bit after that. But Goldsmith, by all means, could end up being like the first baseman of the year um, if he stays in this course. But I, I just think he's due for a bit of regression because how well he's hitting the ball right now is obviously fantastic but it's a little too good for me i think mm-hmm. it's a little bit too productive tommy Edmund is kind of a completely different case because he is hitting the ball great but he's not like blowing us away with the offense like yep. you said he is the utility guy that is really doing everything well he's i think top three in like defensive in defensive war on baseball reference and then on on fan graphs here he is um i think if you look at the rankings by position he was like top Top one or two in Fangraph's war for all second basemen. Um, so there's a lot to like with him. I think that he honestly uh, is someone who we slept on going into the season. And, oh, yeah. and he, he's really proving it now. Yeah, he, he he is first in Fangraph's war. The two guys who I think could end up passing him is McNeil and Jazz Chisholm. But um, right now, I feel comfortable with, with the Edmund pick, even though McNeil and Chisholm are putting up better offensive season so far i think i agree and what we've seen from pete alonzo too um the power numbers have just been right there so far for the first two months so you're right alonzo could surpass goldie right now at the first base job also freddie freeman just being a consistent guy uh he's been off to a uh i I would say not not the usual freddie freeman start just i think from changing locations it's been probably a little bit you know could be a little bit of a tough stretch you know changing your division you know just changing everything about your playing habits but i mean he's another guy i think would easily you could easily say be at the number one spot for first base at the end of the season goldschmidt right now is just having a killer uh two to three weeks to really elevate him into that spot so that's really one reason why of course you go that route um and then edmund of course we didn't see this coming. I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He was probably not even in our top 10 for second baseman. I have to go back and look. But right now, he is proving to be just a consistent bat for that Cardinals offense and, of course, a good glove. So he ranks definitely best at the second base spot right now. Um, Alex, left side of the infield, shortstop and third base. Who do you got for those for the all-MLB team right now? Okay, so shortstop... This is another situation where I had to think about who's oh, better yeah. right now yep. versus who's going to finish better. But I went with the right now pick. And so for me, that's going to be Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. Third base, I ended up going with Manny Machado. How about you? We think alike. Same same guys. Okay. <laughs> we are on the same exact yes, yes. train I think last, last month I had Arenado just because I wanted to uh, give a nod to my guy. But we've seen what we've seen from Machado so far. And it's been, it's been pretty much... Uh, the, you know, every number he puts up as a third baseman is better than every other third baseman. Uh, Jose Ramirez is closing kind of in, uh, Jose Ramirez again, just, I feel like just the amount of disrespect he gets, it it sucks because of how good of a player he is. But, uh, Machado is just having that much more of a special season so far. So he's my third base guy. And then, like you said, at shortstop, I, I think we can definitely think of five guys that are easily better, uh, the full package when we look at you know ranking these guys at the beginning of the year tim anderson right now though 
is putting together a really special season with a 356 batting average um, OPS almost at a 900 for a shortstop in this era right now. That's pretty good with the numbers. We've seen all of them drop off from everybody. But um, give me your reasons why Machado and Anderson make make your make your cut. Yeah, so first we'll go Anderson. Um, he is actually 0.1 fan graphs score behind Jeremy Pena. I think if I had to pick who's going to be, if I, like, if I had to make like a prediction, like who's going to be my 2022 all MLB shortstop yep. end of the season, my prediction would be Jeremy Pena. Okay. I think that he... Um, a lot of the numbers say he's just been really, really solid, both offensively and defensively. He's leading in Fangraph's war. Um, his offensive numbers right now are worse than Tim Anderson in terms of average yep. and on base. The slugging is very comparable. But Pena, I think um, I think Tim Anderson has had a lot of good luck so far. The, th th the 356 average will come down by quite a bit, I think. Um, and I think overall, the, the batting on by Pena and Anderson probably level out going forwards. And Pena has the better defense in my mind, at least. Um, might, might steal a few less bags, but it's still very solid on the base pass um, is, is Jeremy Pena. Other guys, Travis, that are kind of being really kind of frisky and sneaky is Dansby Swanson is actually third in Fangraphs War, which is really? okay. not, not something we would have predicted going into the season so far. But he does have six homers to his credit. He has a nice... Um, the defense number is actually really impressive by him. He's got uh, over 7.4, the defensive uh, stat on Fangraphs, which is more than any other shortstop. I think he's leading all shortstops in that in that defensive figure. But um, anyways, tons of guys you could end up going with by the all-star break. I'd mm -hmm. say Xander Bogarts has been well above average. Lynn Dore has been his five-tool self again. He's no longer um, in that same kind of slump. He's at a 128 WRC+. plus. So overall... Back to being an above-average hitter for him, above-average contributor, six stolen bases, playing great defense. So a big reason why the Mets are kind of uh, rolling every day, day in, day out. Overall, shortstop um, will be interesting going forward. I, I, I'm just saying— I, I won't count out San Diego's shortstop when he, when he, when he oh, returns. Of course. So I won't count that guy out of, because— Of course. And I want to see what he can do with a short season like that and just— if he can go off and, you know, maybe, maybe he finishes with a five or six war, Alex, and you're just saying— what could have been, you know, this season for Fernando Tatis Jr. Right. So um, he's another guy, of course, I'm really eager to see when he comes back, if he can make a big bounce back and, you know, him and Machado just roll through that division and roll through that league. Yeah, I think by the end of the season, it could, uh, I think Pena is probably my guess right now for mm -hmm. who's going to be my Mr. Tw uh, 2022 shortstop. Yep. But in terms of who's going to be the best shortstop in baseball at the end of the season, I mean, yeah, yeah I don't want to, I don't want to count out Tatis. I don't want to count out Trey Turner. Even Seager, I expect to do better than he's been so far. Um, and then tons of other guys, I think, are underperforming their stats, like Franco and, and Adamas. These guys are going to get better over the course of the season. Now I'll move on to third base, Travis. Um, we discussed how much Shadow has really earned the spot. Mm -hmm. I think you said a, a last podcast, he's your pick for NL MVP right now. I would probably agree. Um, 3.4 Fangraphs war, which is a nice 0.5 above anybody else. I think if I'm not mistaken, he leads all position players in Fangraphs war and baseball reference war. So as a complete player, he's really doing it all right now. I am, however, going to kind of zag a bit, even though Machado is my pick. I think his numbers are going to fall off by a lot mm -hmm. because he, just like Goldschmidt, he has a 400 BABIP. So he's getting tons of good luck with the balls in play, always kind of landing where the defenders aren't um some of that is because he hits the ball really really hard and that's going to help you with that babip number but jose ramirez actually by babip has 
it's it's saying he's had bad luck with balls in play, and he still is being almost as good of a hitter as Machado so far. Yeah. Very similar OPS plus numbers and, and very similar war. The defense is better by Machado, but I think by season's end, Devers and Ramirez are going to be considered the two best offensive third basemen in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's just going to come down to how good is Machado's defense um, in terms of keeping them, uh, I guess, as the best third baseman in baseball for this year. So it's going to be a fun race to track. But in my mind, those are the big three to watch going forwards. Arenado will be in the mix, assuming the Cardinals stay you know, relevant like they are right now. But um, it feels like in my mind, a big three is forming between Ramirez, Devers, and Machado in terms of their offense, at least. Yeah, no, no. I, I, in terms of offense, I definitely agree. I will say, I think it'll be interesting to see that Arenado and Machado will both have, um, both guys will probably have north of a six war uh, yes. when the season's over. I yes. mean, right now Machado's at a 3.3, but I think Devers, honestly, is a guy that only gets about three war a season. And imagine having a guy that's doubled his war, but um, just because the defense is so much better with Machado and Arenado, but Devers, of course, is a guy that just, I feel like he just cannot hold that position down defensively as being a good or elite defensive third baseman but the offense of course Devers is one of the best guys in the bigs I think we could take his offense over you know just about everyone else's uh hitting as a third baseman except Jose Ramirez I I, I, right I I agree that the defense is really what's holding Rafael Devers back in terms of being like that top tip top tier of third baseman but I will say currently baseball reference 2.7 war and currently by fan graphs he's at a where is he He's at a 2.9 more. So okay. I think this season is his season to get top 10 MVP votes, um, especially if the Red Sox get you know frisky with the wild card. But and, and these yeah. numbers will come down because a 345 average is not gonna. Yeah. He's not gonna be a 345 average guy because he hits for so much power, um, and is really swinging for the fence a lot of the time. But I think overall there's just so much to like about um, his bat so far this season. 11 home runs. Um, it's only behind Jose Ramirez and tied with Austin Riley for home runs at the position. Um, but Travis, I think overall, um, a fun race, just like most of these positions for third base that they we're going to be able to keep looking at. Good time to move to the outfield, though, Travis. This one, in my mind, <laughs> was one of the hardest because it feels like a four-man race for it does. me. It does. And we had to pick three. Yep. So who's going to go first? Go ahead. Give me yours. Okay. I went I think, with— I think we'll have two of the three at least, so— uh definitely yeah because i think i think if you put someone besides these four that i'm thinking of i would say what's wrong it's with a, you it's a big debate yeah. yeah yeah but but you had to pick three of the four so my, the three I, the three i picked travis i went with mike trout aaron judge and mookie Betts. interesting okay give, give me your three yeah. i i uh i went aaron uh aaron judge mike trout and i still am keeping the heat on taylor ward yeah um, I, feel, I mean that was my prediction that you would do that yeah. and, 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 I, and i'm okay with it um give, give me give me your thoughts on ward i guess go ahead. i mean the one thing about him that is of course going to be uh the elephant in the room with the stats is the games played the plate appearances does exactly. not have as much as mookie bets only thing i will say is that mookie bets has just picked it up this month completely whereas taylor ward i feel like since the start he has just been on a tear um that we've seen all season long i mean the, i think just the percentage numbers are what just are the just just the craziest that i'll see right now a 472 on base and a 709 slugging. I know we always keep saying that's going to come down. That's going to come down tremendously. I get that. But you put him last yesterday in the lineup, Alex. He hit a home run, a two-run homer late in the ball game. The guy is clicking no matter who he's playing. And so he's just a guy that honestly, no matter who he's facing, he's going to have a productive game. So for me, Taylor Ward still has to be that guy. Um, what we've seen so far, it's just been incredible. So 
possibly a little bit of favoritism in there, but I will say I think Taylor Ward has been the most complete uh, ball player so far this season when it comes to almost every single MLB player and outfielder so far. He's put a lot of uh, heat on his teammate Mike Trout as to you know who's having a better season. I know, of course, the games played, the plate appearances are going to be the big factor in determining determining if Ward can uh, can be you know atop of these leaderboards so far. But I'll have him still as the outfielder. Uh, interested to see what happens this next month and if he can still keep and remain atop of all these numbers uh, for you know 2022. But basically, give me a little bit about Mookie Betts. I know the month of May has been insane for him. Yeah, I, the the main reason I went with Betts, I, I really kind of broke this down in terms of, I think, it, so right now if the season ended today, Ward would have the best on base, the best slugging, and the best OPS in baseball. However, he would not get any of those titles because yep. he's not currently qualified for the title. Yep. To be qualified, I think you need like 3.1 plate appearances per team game. It's just a kind of way of saying, okay. But by the season's end, you need about like, what would be the math? 162 times about three. You need to, be, you need to reach that certain threshold of games played yep. or plate appearances um, where you were able to actually, you know, not be injured like Ward has been or even like, a lot of this kind of stomach stomach bug that's ravaging the angels yep. <laughs> reserves for some reason hitting but leadoff will help him though that's what also that's one thing i'll say i do agree with that and i think that's a good spot for him to bat um in my in my opinion but um going forward the ward numbers will go down but that's not really why i ranked them as my fourth outfielder behind the big three in trout bets and judge it mostly is because of the playtime like we said and because of the playtime his war is last of the four in Fangraphs, and i think it's also last in uh baseball reference where i'm checking judges right now to make sure that he didn't already pass judge but um he's actually tied with judge at 2.3 war baseball reference it is really crazy that aaron, that aaron judge has been you know prolific he's yeah. played 46 games compared to wards what's ward at right now i mean definitely less i think it's like 30 34 or something like that it's crazy that despite that 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 gap, Ward is still um, tied with them in WAR by yeah. base reference. Yeah. But on on the FanGraphs leaderboards, Travis, it had uh, Betts with the most WAR, then Trout, then Judge, then Ward, and I think on base reference it's Trout, Betts, and then Judge Ward. So, mm -hmm. um, anyways, I think that Betts has been offensively the worst of the four, but he's still been so so good with a a. Uh, almost 300 average, a 382 on base, almost a 600 slugging. Um, so that's a very MVP-like bat. And of course, the defense is on another level like always. It feels like almost every other day on MLB's official Twitter account, they post some crazy uh, throw from right field to third base yeah. or right field to home to get a guy tagging up. He saves runs every day with his glove and his arm. It's so impressive out there. So I think that's a big reason why I give him an edge over Ward. Um, if Ward had the same number of games played, it'd be Ward for sure. But the games played difference plus the defense difference and even the base running that Mookie Betts provides is better than any of the other. Even though Trout is faster, Betts is the more efficient base runner for sure. Um, I think that Betts, you know, the, the four stolen bags leads all those four outfielders. Um, the defense leads all those four outfielders. So for me, Betts, I just couldn't leave him off. Um, also the most played appearances of those four outfielders. So Betts, Trout, Judge, Betts, Trout, Judge, and Ward. For me, it was the big four, and I had to pick three. I left off the guy that had the fewer PAs. So um, I, I think it makes sense totally for both of us, though, yeah. our, our, our reasoning, our rationale. But 
After those four, Travis, it's a really big drop off for outfielders in my mind. Guys like Nimmo like have had really good seasons. He has like a two Fangraphs war. Uh, Tucker is going to be in the mix, uh, I think, second half of the season for like putting some pressure on a guy like Betts or a guy mm-hmm. like Judge if they slow down. Maybe Springer could be in that mix down the road. But it really feels like right now that big four is a solid big four. Um, going going forward right now, but by war and by like uh, OPS numbers, like there's a gap between them and the rest. I, I agree. And I mean, what we've seen so far from Betts just kind of coming into his own, he he was, I mean, it felt weird because he was almost dropping off. I mean, he wasn't really that big At name start, anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, people were talking about, you know, is he is he really even a top 10 or top 15 kind of guy in the MLB right now? He's kind of been dropping off. But I mean, the spark he's been so far in May has just been really nice to see because that's old Betts form. Um, I think I mentioned that for some reason he performs well on even years and 2022 is an even year. So maybe that's kind of a good sign that you could put money on bets for an award later on in the season. But uh, I, I think if I told you 14 home runs for bets yeah. just through the first two months, that's a big number that you that's probably didn't, didn't see coming. That is crazy. Yeah. You would expect them to have, you know, a solid contact, solid on base with some solid slugging. But to be 14 homers only, you know, that's one more than Trout, only Definitely. four shy of Judge. That's, yep. a, that's a best big time. But that is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we agree about that being a big four. It Probably is. good good to move over to DH now. Another spot, Travis, where I felt like I could have gone a few different ways. <laughs> um, for me, there was no clear choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and just say who I picked. I went with J.D. Martinez. I, I think that he's someone who I don't expect to be my number one by the end of the year. I think a guy like... Uh, your Don is probably going to catch him, maybe yeah. even Stanton. Yeah, I'm not going to sleep on Otani either, but I think that if I had to just kind of say who right now has the best numbers, I'm going to go with JD Martinez. Mm-hmm. Who, 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 who do you got? We see a like again. again. So again. JD Martinez is my DH, Alex, and you kind of said everything perfectly. I don't think he's going to be there at the end of the year, but right now he is proving that he is the best DH in the game, a 379 batting average, Alex. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible right there. It's almost a 380. Uh, when it comes to that, and I think he is, yeah, he's leading Major League Baseball in batting average. Uh, home runs are kind of down this year for him. Only five home runs. You'd expect him to have 15 so far, but really, I guess, focusing more on the contact aspect of it. And of course, has a three, uh, I'm sorry, a 439 on base and a 588 slugging. So still producing those similar numbers that we see all the time. Uh, OPS, of course, over a 1,000 and an OPS plus at a 189. So he's just kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess just for, for lack of better terms, he's just spraying the ball in the gaps. Already 17 doubles on the year. So he's just been a doubles machine, probably really playing pepper with that green monster. But um, the percentage stats, I mean, the batting average is one of the biggest surprises so far from J.D. Martinez. But I don't expect it to stay that high up there. It will drop off. And, of course, I think a guy like Jordan will surpass him when, uh, you know, come the second half, come the all-star break. But right now, of course, give our props to J.D. Martinez. He's off to a very nice start for the Red Sox. Yeah, I think the important thing about this is we're giving props to the guy who's been better so far. And uh, there's no denying the numbers by Martinez are better. He's got the best average. Uh, I think he has the best on base amongst DHs and uh, one of the best sluggings. But yeah, I think that um, I want to kind of just try to cue in and explain my thought process on like a Jordan Alvarez versus JD Martinez comparison so far this season. Cause it, it, there's no denying. I mean, JD is the better. Let me see just to be sure he has the better average. He has the better on base yeah. and he has the better slugging. Yeah. yeah. So he's better at across the board hitting wise, but I say the word a lot, Babip. And just, just to kind of, just, just to kind of explain what I mean, like 
for uh, the Babbitt for JD Martinez is 482. That means almost half the balls he hits land for hits. Like mm-hmm. they, they're not getting caught by the defense. Yeah. They're, not, they're not becoming ground outs. Um, and for Jordan Alvarez, he's at 243. So pretty much double of the balls that Martinez hits in play are going for hits compared to Jordan. And that's something that's going to level out, right? It's not like you're going to have that crazy luck where the ball keeps finding the gap. You know, everyone goes on these streaks, Travis. We've seen our players we like, they keep hitting the ball to the outfielder, right? They keep yep. landing out to the shortstop or yep. they keep landing out to third base. That kind of stuff is going to kind of, um, it's going to stabilize as the, as the season goes on. So right now you're Don Travis having one of the lowest BABIPs amongst all the DHs. I can promise you if he stays healthy, you're Don. I mean, it's, it's kind of a dumb promise to say, but I, I feel so confident he's going to be the best DH at the end of the season mm-hmm. numbers mm-hmm. wise because his BABIP is pretty low. And he's still cooking a nice. I mean, the 253 average is going to come up, I think, based on the BABIP. He still has already 12 homers, which is tied for the lead amongst all DHs. Um, tied with Pete Alonso, who actually, I would say, is more of a first base. Um, he plays both this yep. season. But uh, yeah, I think that overall, there's so much to like about uh, Jordan Alvarez's like, overall profile, just despite what the, the surface level numbers are telling us. So yep. JD Martinez, right now, I have to give him the props because he's putting up the numbers. But that will come down. A 379 average, Travis, to me, it, it's almost a it's almost a minus because yeah. I know it's gonna come down. Like you're gonna be worse later than right now. Like mm-hmm. and, and it's not his fault. I'm just saying that like it's just uh, just being it's just kind of I'm giving him his flowers for what he's done so far. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the same time, like it's it's just a simple fact that like that's not sustainable production. Does, does that make sense? No, it does. And I mean, you could that's a really good point you put right there. That it's it's almost a negative because it's it's so good, but you you can't produce that same average or better for the rest of the season. We just right. know that's not going to happen with him. So it's going to be going down. Numbers will be decreasing. Um, even if he goes one for three for the next month. Every single game, the numbers are going to go down, which kind of sucks. You know, if you got a three thirty three batting average for a month, that's Hall of Fame. That's you know that, that that's going to put you up there with Hall of Fame votes. I'm sorry, MVP votes. Yeah. But um, it will, of course, decrease. And of course, like we said, I think we've been so high on Jordan Alvarez for the past couple of seasons. Even last year, when we talked about you know the best DH so far, um, Jordan Alvarez is that guy that always every year is going to be in a top, you know, top two, top three of the All DH list. Um, and it's it's really no question about it. And of course, if we see Otani come back to form, he can definitely sneak back into the into the DH um, the DH list and the best DH in the game right now. But for what we're talking about, only two months in, JD Martinez has to be uh, has Agre- to be the guy right agreed. now. Agreed. Yeah. Based on production so far, he's the guy. Um, but we play 162 games, so that's right. Yeah, and 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 we'll see how that list shapes up. And, and, um, and, and it's come interesting October, to, interesting to see because now we're almost at that you know that 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 60 game mark, and I think that we're going to be making more references to you know when we look at the first 60 games of every season and going back to 2020 and just saying to ourselves, man, right now, you know, right now Taylor Ward is you know an MVP, but we'll see what happens as the season progresses. Is it does he can can he stay on that you know production level? Um, and even going back to 2020, you know, Juan Soto was on a complete tear and we kind of wish we would have saw a hundred more games of that. Then we really could have seen who is the real MVP so far this season. Um, Freddie Freeman had a great year, but is it sustainable for a hundred more games? That's the big question. Right. Yeah. And, and just cause you mentioned Ward's name, he's one of the guys who I think is he, people might not, cause they don't know his name. They might think, Oh, he's going to fall off. And the numbers yeah. will come down. Of course, being OPS leader, um, is, probably a long shot but it, he's definitely someone who i think the bat is 
is is for real and Easily. the, the yeah. I is for real. So I expect him to be someone who gets MVP votes uh, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, Travis, time for pitchers. Starting pitchers first, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, five guys starting pitching. Who's going to go first, you or me? I, I guess I'll, I'll start it off this time. But Let's do it. For me, I know we talked about one guy, um, and this will be in no particular order. Uh, Shane McClanahan, of course, we've mentioned him. He's going to be on my starting five when it comes to the best starting staff right now. Mm-hmm. I also have Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, Corbin Burns, Milwaukee, Alex Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays, and last but not least, I have Sandy Alcantara. We talked about him a couple weeks back. Um, I think he really rounds out nicely when it comes to the top five. Uh, Alex, share with me your five, and we'll discuss. Yeah, we have some similarities and some differences. It, <laughs> I, I, we're not going to be same on this. I know we're not. Yeah, it, it, I, I knew we wouldn't be. I'd be really surprised if we were because I honestly think there's probably 15 guys who yeah. I think have a case to be a top five in the first two months here based on what stats you care about. Um, I went with these five. No particular order like you said. Mm-hmm. I have McClanahan as well. I have Kevin Gosman, mm-hmm. Sandy Alcantara. I have Corbin Burns. And I have Musgrove on the Padres, so okay. it's a it's a some similarities and some differences. No, okay. Uh, there are so many guys who I wish I could have given more credit. Like Nestor Cortez is someone Travis who I left off, and you, I'm glad you gave him the, the yep. props because he has had such a great start. Um, he's like sixth in Fangraphs were amongst all pitchers. He yep. had a 1.7 ERA, which is such a great number. Um, but it, for me, it was so hard. Like I just, I think I just give a little bit more props to Joe Musgrove, who's mm-hmm. thrown a few more innings and. Um, I just kind of he's the better fangraphs war. I mean, almost every guy has an argument over another guy. And yeah, it's just like yeah. it's like a big like who who are you gonna pick? And it's interesting. We left off two guys, Alex, and I think you know who these two guys are that are a either leading in pitchers war or leading in best ERA in the bigs. That's Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers, best ERA in baseball right now. And then you have Paul Blackburn on the Oakland A's, best um war for pitchers right now. So I mean, two guys that we could have been talking about, but I will say looking at the numbers, there are, of course, some indicating stats that will point that they're not having, you know, elite of elite starts to the season. I think it might have been even Paul Blackburn. I think his strikeouts to innings pitched, it's almost like he gets a strikeout every two innings. So he's really not doing a good job at, uh, you know, caning the batters. Unlike a guy like Shane McClanahan, I think looking at his numbers, Alex, I think he leads right now. He leads baseball with 81 strikeouts in 58 innings pitched. You're almost looking at a, uh, you know, not it's, that'd be crazy for a starting pitcher, but you're almost looking at two strikeouts in inning that he goes out there and faces. But it really batters. is. It really like it's his, amazing. His his strikeout percentage was was over a third of his yeah. batters he faces. Yeah. So yeah. it's super impressive. Um, that's a big reason why he had to make my list is because mm-hmm. how good he's at striking mm-hmm. out batters. Um, a lot of strikeouts leads to a really good FIP, and he he does have a good FIP and, and good Fangraphs WAR. Um, another guy, Travis. I, I mean, we're highly, we're hiding the guys we left off, but yeah. uh, Tarek Skubal is someone who, out of nowhere, has had a monster season. Yeah, it feels really bad to leave him off, Travis. I think he, I think he's got the second best FIP in all of baseball, which is, um, FIP is just a measurement of uh, it's like an ERA predictor. Uh, it uses strikeouts, walks, and, and home runs allowed to kind of say how good you've been. And in terms of getting strikeouts, limiting walks, limiting homers, he's been one of the best in all of baseball. Yep. Um, he's second in Fangraphs war um, amongst all pitchers. Tarek Skubal, who would have thought that was coming? You know, I, I mean, know. I actually, actually, Travis, I actually traded him in fantasy. I, I received him uh, about a month ago, so maybe I saw this coming, you know. But, <laughs> you know, just a, a sneaky little pickup by me. But um, 
Yeah, I think there's tons of guys, Travis, on this leaderboard of war that uh, Wheeler has had a really good uh, stretch after a couple rough starts to, to, to begin the season. Yep. Yep. He's top five in Vangraph's war. He's going to be tops in uh, baseball reference war at the at the end of the season, I bet you, because he gets so many innings pitched mm-hmm. in all his starts. It's a really big contributor to um, accruing strikeouts, accruing just, I mean, outs in general, because uh, someone framed it like this in my mind uh online i think it was a foolish baseball but w- when you when you look at innings pitched i usually think about it as you pitch a lot right mm-hmm. but the way you should think about it is like you get more outs and that's really what it is you're yep. getting more outs for your team every innings pitched is three outs you're getting for your team mm-hmm. so even if the era is like a bit worse on a guy like wheeler he's getting more outs than anybody Right now, his innings pitch is not as high as some others like Gosman, like Martin Perez. Mm-hmm. But I expect Wheeler, such a workhorse that he is, um, by the end of the year, is going to have a really high innings pitch total, high strikeout total, like always. So, And one guy we're even leaving off, too, that I have on the list that I was replaced by Sandy Alcantara, but it's Justin Verlander. Um, you know, most, right. most wins right now in baseball was six. Best whip when it comes to the AL and an ERA at a 2.03. So almost... Uh, below a two ERA right now in the season. What a kind of uh, a fountain of youth season he's had right now for the Houston Astros. And that's the reason why they're doing so good. Verlander is uh, pitching at the level that we've been seeing his whole entire career. So, I mean, he's a guy that is is really having a huge bounce back season for uh, for, for sure, exactly. And, and with Verlander, we, uh, it's a good mention by you because he actually was the pick. MLB.com four days ago tweeted a graphic and it was the MLB.com writers, all MLB team so far. And just to kind of recap on what we've said so far, like they have Goldschmidt, they have Jazz Chisholm instead mm-hmm. of Edmund like us. They have Tim Anderson and Machado. Um, so a lot of agreements. They have your outfield yep. with uh, with the Ward, Trout, Judge. But they do have Verlander as their starter. It's yep. really funny that MLB.com writers have as their best starter in all of baseball. Did not make either of our top five. It, <laughs> it goes to show how deep yeah. this starting pitcher pool is for the first two months and how impressive some of these guys have really been. Um, yeah, there's still guys, Travis, we haven't met who haven't discussed that really do deserve mention. Corbin Burns, Travis, the biggest knock on him last season, he won the Cy Young, but the reason why he almost didn't, only one reason, was innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's being a total workhorse. He's yep. at 64.2 innings pitched. Let me see. That that is currently second best amongst all starting pitchers, yeah. only behind Sandy Alcantara, who yeah. is is the is the workhorse of all workhorses. Yeah, um, that's very true. I just looked so, at that right now. So Corbin yeah. Burns being up at sixty four point two innings pitched already so far with a great one point nine five ERA. Can't leave him off this list. Of course, cannot leave him off this list. So this just shows how deep the starting pitcher pool is right now. I'm trying to think of anyone who we. Uh, haven't discussed really. oh so one difference i have gosman you don't yeah so i guess i'll mention that right now he has the most fangraphs war which fangraphs war uh it uses fip as it's like one of its main components and that's why he has such a good fangraphs war but gosman right now travis 56 innings pitched um really good strikeout numbers over 10 k's per nine even though that's that's not like the that's not everything mm-hmm. but um a 2.25 era is is better than a lot of guys there are at least five guys with better ERAs, like yep. you know McClanahan, Burns, Nestor. A lot of guys could make the ERA argument better than Gosman, but for me, the FIP and like the XFIP, um, just a lot of kind of other underlying numbers kind of tell you that what Gosman's doing with the 2.25 ERA, I think his ERA can stay like that. I think it's almost like Burns last year, where he could be the low two ERA guy that really, um, 
I guess I think he just really what he's done so far is sustainable. Where like I think probably um, who who here is gonna rise up a bit? I think like Alcantara's two ERA is yeah. gonna come up a bit. Um, Burns is, might come up a bit from being below two right now. Well, so. and, and I think guy like Nestor Cortez isn't going to finish with a one point seven. You know, of course, yeah. right? Like yeah. some some of these guys, the ERA numbers will come up. Like Martin Perez, even yeah. though the FIP is good, like a one point six ERA is just not sustainable. Um, you'd think for a guy like yeah. him in Texas, especially with the lower strikeout numbers from him. But a guy like Gosman gets tons of strikeouts. He's doing a really good job at avoiding walks. Great control. Um, and yeah, the only the only downfall for him might be the division being so yeah. so power heavy but um, and i guess that's why i had to go with his teammate manoa um oh yeah yeah uh, go there f- five and one on the season so uh i mean a very very good winning percentage an 833 winning percentage and a 1.77 era so far through nine starts so he has been pretty elite uh for the blue jays uh gosman i think is still kind of their ace but manoa is right. definitely shaping up to be a great number two and his numbers right now are proving to be very very successful especially in that division when you have an era that is that good in that division that's that that's actually really impressive so Manoa was my guy and he was definitely it was it was a fight between Gosman or Manoa but I guess I just kind of was seeing that the ERA and the winning percentage was very good and so uh Manoa sure. got my nod this uh this time around I know Gosman was my pick last month but um uh he's a guy that will is gonna be you know right there with Musgrove even also a guy like Patrick Sanderville Alex he had a bad outing yesterday but we know those numbers are so so good so for sure I, I think throughout the season I think these top five Alex will be changing almost every single month I think right now I'm looking at it quite possibly I think Corbin Burns might be my only pick on here that was on it last month so he's been consistently good but Cortez Manoa McClanahan and Alcantara I think have all jumped into this conversation and we'll see what happens at the end of June there could be a completely different list um and hopefully come July you have two big horses guy like Scherzer and DeGrom when they come back maybe they start making attention to this list as well but um it's kind of crazy where just the pool like you said of starting pitching is so deep in in Major League Baseball right now and I think um could could the baseball be a huge factor in in the reason why that so much starting pitching is so good this year but yeah for sure and and it's really I have no idea who's going to be like the starters for like the AL and the NL in the all-star game because you're right some of these guys are just like how how do you compare like these guys are so good I mean it's gonna come down a fan vote and like what the coach decides I think that's how it usually works I, I still think that Shohei Otani will be the starting pitcher for some real well, reason right now. I mean, it, it, so right now, which he, which not deserving, I completely get that. But I just know with the fan vote, I think that they just want to see him start at Dodger Stadium, and just because of what he did last year, they want to see him, you know, lead off or hit in the top three. I, I that, that's just my opinion. That's just I think what I think sure. will happen. But it, like I said. If you're not, if you're looking at deserving, absolutely not. There's so many starting pitchers right now that are better than Shohei, but I could just see them saying, "Oh, we want to," you know, the All Star Game's kind of just a, I'm not gonna say like a fairy tale or a, fair, a fairyland kind of thing where it's a pipe dream, but uh, I could see him easily getting the nod for uh, for starting the game in uh, in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I mean, never, never that very well could be the case. I think my pick right now for AL. Um, of who I think is going to be there is I think it's going to be Gosman. And mm-hmm. that's just my pick based on the fact that he's actually had a lot of bad luck with balls in play despite his 2.25 ERA. Um, but, you know, the fans, you know, they're not they're not too. They're I'm not, sure. But smart, but so. it, it, is it is it I who is it not the coach that decides who goes first or is it the guy with the most votes? How does it work? I, I th- you know, and we'll have to be educated again on that this season because I'm always I'm always skeptical on how that kind of stuff works. I right. know fans, of course, have a huge, huge, uh, you know, 
their their decision is what kind of holds down the most because they, they they like to say the all-star game is for the fans and so they want to give like the fans the, the you most want fan power. service of course yeah but and if you got a fan vote i think you're going to see otani on the mound and you're going to see you know him hitting you know in the top three of the lineup or something like that but like you said if if, if it's if it's truly on you know the coach making the best decision then of course you see a guy like dusty he could possibly lean towards a guy like Gosman going for that nod. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he gives it. Maybe honestly, maybe he gives a nod to his guy Verlander. I could really see that as well. That's a good point. Um, Dusty could be Dusty could be kind of like, you know, he might want to he might want to make a little salty at Dodger Stadium and and uh, and put Verlander on the mound and the booze will go probably through the roof. Uh, that, that'd be honestly a really cool and interesting uh, start that, to an all-star that, game. And imagine Mookie Betts leading off. Against, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that could be such a that could be such yeah, a fun now like now you're just now, now, now I see now, the future. Now, now I'm already seeing land, right now. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. But that, that, that's a good pick, too. You could have Verlander starting the game against Mookie Betts. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So I was just trying to make a point that I guess that I think Gosman is someone who is going to stay this good. I think that if you, Travis, if we were going to Vegas yeah. this weekend, I would be putting 100 bucks on Kevin Gosman to win the yeah. Cy Young. I yeah. think that I really like what I see from his stats here so far. But um, but and we saw last year, I mean, I don't even think Shohei was deserving to be the starting pitcher for at you know at coors but he was right right he was he was someone who i think at the time was like a top six or seven pitcher in the al yeah, yeah. um i think it was because of the whole hitting thing they wanted to get him in the lineup and and have him lead off the ball game and then get him out you know that's right that's right because yeah he had the whole unique scenario of being the dh and the pitcher getting voted in for both this year it's not a given he gets voted in for both he yeah. very well may because the fans but we'll have to wait and see how that kind of pans out when that voting time does come around in a in a, in a you know all over a month from now, but and yeah, honestly, we'll probably start seeing the polls open in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, middle yeah. of June, we can start seeing some of these, uh, just how these, how these, you know, how the voting is going to go. I know last year, vote for Ward. I mean, yeah, I love, I, I keep saying it, Alex. You're gonna, I, I want to see, of course, Ward, Trout, Otani, top three of the lineup. It's, that, that, it's very unlikely, but Charles, there's no, there's no chance. It, 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 there's it, a chance. There's no chance. There's, it, there's a chance, and Ward comes back like he did right now, and he, let's just say, he owns. Yankee Stadium in the next week. Oh, there's a chance, right? No, there's a, I think it's a chance for Ward, but I think that there's no way they're not going to have Judge in the top three. He'll be fourth. That's my thought. No, well, Dusty's making the order. What? What? Why, why would? <laughs> why would he be fourth behind those guys? I think. Well, I, why would Tucker be sixth? Why? Well, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe Dusty Baker. Dusty's making the order, dude. All right, Travis, yeah. you have changed my mind completely because maybe Dusty Baker just is going to say, "I do what I want. <laughs> I'm about. I'm about Judge Eighth, and that's the way it's going to be." That's right. But that's right. But uh, Sean Murphy, you're hitting. Uh, you're hitting third. <laughs> lead off. <laughs> no, but okay. <laughs> all that being said. Um, I can't wait for that time to come, Travis. Oh, yeah. We can discuss our ballots uh, for when we vote for the All-Star game. and th- That'll be so much fun. But uh, moving on, Travis, away from starting pitching, we have reliever relievers now. Closing pitcher, we just pick one guy, right? One bullpen arm. It seems like it's been the same guy for months. So That is true. I, I, I think you know who I went with. Will it be the same, Travis? I don't know. Maybe you went a different way. Maybe I think you went with uh, maybe the, the Padres no, guy. No, I went with Hater. You went, <laughs> yeah. you went with, okay, okay, yeah. Josh Hader, Alex, zeros. That's all I see. And uh almost two strikeouts per inning pitch. So that's just pretty elite. It's it's really it's really nuts how good um and, and Travis, when you have not allowed a run, it kind of just says it all, right? Like yeah. you your ERA is is at zeros. Um and just today, Travis, he had another really great outing. Um right now there's four, yeah, four relievers have a zero ERA. Um, and they're all guys who deserve credit. Um one guy I did not know existed until right now. <laughs> so, but the three I knew about for sure was Ryan Helsley has a zero ERA in 
over 16 innings pitched for St. Louis. Wow. Josh Hader has a zero ERA as a reliever. 16 games, um, 16 saves. Yeah. 14 uh, and two-thirds innings pitched um, for him with a zero ERA, which is obviously phenomenal. JP Fireisen on the Rays has 19 innings pitched, so the most of that group. Um, He has one save but 18 games pitched Mm -hmm. and, and still that zero ERA. And the fourth is it's either Jarlin or, or Harlin. I think it's probably Harlin Garcia uh-huh. on San Francisco Giants. Okay. 16 games pitched. So that's still more than a guy like Helsley. Yeah. More innings and pitched yeah. than Hater in the 16 and one third inning pitched. Low strikeout number. Uh, not that low of a walk number. So I expect the zero ERA won't last forever for him. But still an impressive overall, I think, ERA um, for a pitcher who I never heard of. So a zero ERA for him is awesome. Uh, for the for the Giants, I'm sure. But Travis, I think there was pressure. Uh, there, I'll say it like this: there would be more pressure for me to remove Hater, even I think he's the best closer in the game. Yeah. If he gave up at least one run, if he gave up one run, I yeah. say maybe I have to go Helsley, maybe I have to go Fireisen, maybe I have to go Clay Holmes, who has allowed I think one run this season. Yeah. But still, the .36 ERA on Holmes with over 24 innings pitched, pretty much. Almost doubling Hater's innings pitched, yeah. and having more Fangraphs WAR than Hater. Um, tons to like with Clay Holmes. I think tons of guys would have really had a case over Hater if Hater allowed one run, just because so just many crazy to think. Yeah, just because so many guys um, are having really phenomenal relief seasons, and I think, like you said, Travis, the ball probably has something to do with it. Just like the starting pitchers, so many elite arms. Same for the bullpen. So many, so many elite arms so far. Um, give me your thoughts on Hater right now. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, every single month, it's it's the same you know conversation. It's the same numbers that we see. It's zeros. It's tons of strikeouts. Uh, FIP is at a career best so far this season as a closing pitcher. Um, I mean, we're uh, like you said, we're just kind of getting into the ridiculous now for Josh Hader. He's becoming a clear you know favorite every single year as the best closer, the best relief pitcher in the game. Um, and it's funny how you say even if he allowed one run. I mean, that's that's still better than probably 99% of major league relievers right now. Uh, we still wouldn't have that outlook because it'd be one run. His ERA would be, uh, you know, north of zero. And so we'd probably look at someone else. We'd probably look at, like you said, JP FireEyes, and we'd be looking at, uh, I think I think it's is it Taylor Rogers on the uh, Padres? Yeah, I mean there's so many. Yeah, he's who a, leads baseball and saves, but has Taylor, a one. Yeah. I think it's a one something ERA. But you look at him maybe and say, oh, he's the best reliever in baseball right now. But um, I think, like I said, every single month we come and do this, and Hater is still showing a zero. So I think that just definitely yields that he's going to be still the best guy for the job for the best ninth inning closer in the game right now. And even one more guy who has a really, really elite, both a good ERA, but an elite FIP and F war is AJ Minter, someone who Mm -hmm. I expect to have a really good um, season this year. Over 13 Ks per nine, which is really, really elite. Um, it's better than everybody besides Helsley and Hader, I think. Yeah, yeah, 13.5 um, for Hader. Um, here's a tweet, Travis, about Josh Hader. And this is after today when he did get a save. He actually had a really impressive outing. I want to pull it up right now just so I can kind of make sure I got it right. Um, it looks like they actually have a doubleheader today, so I think they're playing again. But they must have, He must have tied uh, Rodgers for saves now because it probably hasn't updated on baseball reference. Oh, okay. Yet. Okay, that, 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 that would make sense. But they put him in bottom ninth against the Cubs. Seven to six ball game. Mm-hmm. So the leverage is very, very high. They put in Hader, allows a single, and then strikes out Ian Happ swinging. 
Stolen base for Nico Horner, but it does not matter because Alfonso Rivas, strikeout swinging. P.J. Higgins, strikeout swinging. Three strikeout swingings in the ninth inning to secure the save. I mean, just this guy gets K's in his sleep. It's totally unreal. Just let the defense literally rest and just say you and the catcher are only doing all the work. So Right. And yeah. then and so this is a tweet from uh at MLB Random Stats. The most consecutive appearances with no runs allowed, plus getting the save. Josh Hader is on 17 straight. And that's second best ever. He needs two more to tie Lee Smith in 1995. <laughs> wow. So wow. if Hader can get two more, his next two starts with... Or next two appearances. Next two appearances, my bad. Next two appearances, no runs, and gets the save, he will tie Lee Smith on that kind of unique streak, wow. that unique wow. record wow. of, um, you know. And, and, and this is just based on his 17 starts this season. So 17 appearances, I should say. 17 uh, and clo- I think, closing appearances. I think you mentioned, too, he hasn't allowed a run since, like, last July. Or it might be like last August. And uh, that, so, that's correct. Just the, the postseason is what is what yeah, screwed yeah, him over. Yeah, Freddie. But, yeah, <laughs> but, Freddie, uh, Freddie got to him. But that, that's an interesting streak to look at as well as you know, if, have you gone a full calendar year without allowing inner run? You know. So yeah, and and we'll be looking. We'll be looking to see if he can pull that off and how long this kind of great streak can last for him. And he's looking like he'll break his uh, his uh, career high and saves this year. Also, I mean, he's at seventeen, I think, so far right now, and his career high is thirty seven. He needs 20 more to go in four months. It seems like it's a pretty easy task to me yeah, uh, and, for Josh Hader. And the Brewers kind of keeping their success yep. up is going to be a big kind of factor contributing Definitely. to that. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our eye on him. And, and he's. it seems like right now he's not really chasing other relievers uh, in the game. He's kind of yeah. chasing records. So exactly. um, really special from him of what we've seen so far. Travis, last on our agenda here uh, for this all MLB stuff is our player of the month. Um, I expect we pick different guys is my guess. I'm not sure okay. though. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how we went. Uh, maybe not though. Maybe not. Uh, who's going to go first? You go first, man. I'll let, I'll let you see who you got. You, you give me, you're giving me the honors. I, uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Sounds good. I went with Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is my man of the month. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, so that's, that's, that's surprising. That is a huge surprise. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel like you picked Betts. How'd you know? <laughs> I, I read, I read you like a book. I read you like a book. Not a good poker face, but, uh, dude, that's so funny. But yeah. Mookie bets. Yeah. I mean, I think he's completely earned it. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, I think MLB posted something a couple, couple days ago and they were just highlighting 11 home runs in March. I'm sorry, in May. Um, you know, batting average honestly is not, it, it's, it's 340, which is, is really good, but in a small sample size that that's okay. But I mean, just looking at the slugging, a 736 slugging percentage in the month of may uh a 1.139 ops in may as well but the biggest number i think also is going to be the extra base hits he has nine doubles 11 home runs um pretty much an extra base hit every single ball game that he plays that right there is pretty pretty remarkable yeah and and there's a cool tool on <laughs> cool tool for the two tools that's right there's a cool tool on Fangrass where you can kind of select the dates you want to look at so mm-hmm. this is the leaderboards from May 1st to May 30th, which is today. Um, and it will show us uh, their numbers just in that time span. So Mookie Betts has a top, he's like top five in WRC plus, so, or actually top four. So he's not like the most elite of the elite hitters. He's still behind JD Martinez, Paul Goldschmidt, and Devers for the month stats um, in terms of just like how good you are in terms of your on base and your slugging and all that. But the defense is what sets him apart in my mind. He does lead all fan graphs war in the month. 
Um, he has 11 homers, which is like you said, a monster number to be at. I think just kind of the complete package he puts together is the reason why he's the man of the month. I think that, like I said earlier, talking about um, our my out, all MLB outfield, mm-hmm. I've seen at least three, four, five times this month on Twitter him saving a run with his with his arm, yeah. like just guy tagging up at home. I'm gonna gun him out. Guy trying to go first or third on me. I'm gonna gun him out. Like mm-hmm. and then just diving catches as well. He's just so good out there on right field for the Dodgers. It's such a big reason why they have success, not only with the bat and batting leadoff, but so much more so yeah. much more with the with the glove and the and the base running as well only one steal in a month but i think he's so smooth smooth in the base paths that um you know that, that there's no problem there uh with, with the stolen bases number being kind of low he knows how to get it done um in every single way on the baseball field absolutely and and one number two to point out and just the kind of the progressions in may that mookie betts was doing may 1st alex mookie betts was betting 231 a batting average mm-hmm. of that not you know i mean not worth the contract that he has been giving uh, with those numbers and had a 720 OPS for the start of the season. On May 28th, he raised that th- 231 batting average to 301 and he raised that 720 OPS to a 991 OPS. So he literally just transformed his entire, uh, you know, hitting line throughout the season in the month of May so far. Um, you, you just look at all the numbers just rising every single game, you know, mm-hmm. one or two ticks every single game. So, I mean, just incredible that we were looking at this guy May 1st as, you know, is Mookie Betts ever going to be, you know, the same as, you know, 2020, 2018 Mookie Betts? Are we going to see that kind of hitter ever again? Um, he's on a path right now to be, of course, uh, an all MLB outfitter like we spoke about earlier, but also on on track, honestly, to get some MVP votes so far this season. Because if we know if the hitting is hitting this good, the defense is already elite. You're going to have a war that's up there with seven or eight. And that's, of course, going to be possibly leading all of baseball by season's end. So uh, Mookie Betts, if you put the hitting together that's of course what's going to make you such a uh, such a different player from everyone else. You know, a guy like Soto, he has elite hitting. He, of course, will always probably have just a uh, I would say average to above average defense, but that's always going to be the part that's going to hurt his game. But of course, the hitting is going to be so elite. It's funny when you look at Mookie Betts if he just puts together the elite hitting that we've seen. I mean, the, the rest is going to the, the guy just is, separates himself from the pack in in such an insane way. So that's one thing to add. Hundred percent agree. And I like what you said about his first month numbers versus the next month, because when you read off his his average on base and slugging from like the first month, his sorry, sorry, his OPS yeah. from the first month is lower than his slugging of this month, yeah, which true. is which is nuts. That's so, pretty crazy. So with that in mind, uh, just a, such a monster month. And I think I told you Mookie Betts will have the best slugging in the month actually second best behind uh, Paul Goldschmidt, but mm-hmm. second best slugging in the month combined with his glove. Um, and what he does in the base pass, it, it's just, it's, that's not a no brainer. Cause there's some other guys who had also awesome months like Goldschmidt Devers had an eight homer month with over a 400 on base yep. over a 730 slug. So t- tons of guys who deserve tons of props, but Mookie bets overall, I think the most complete player of the month, best war of the month. Um, it made it easy for us and we were able to agree on that. So definitely, definitely. So yeah, I mean, overall Travis, uh, a lot of a lot of consensus, a lot of kind of similar thoughts by us, except for the pitching, I guess, and the starting. But <laughs> yeah. I kind of expected that. Um, but yeah, overall, um, nice work, very good. I I, I like both of our lists. <laughs> nice uh, work, yeah. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the whole all MLB section of the podcast, Travis. 
Um, I was going to break into some more Joe Madden hate, but I think we've probably exhausted that every episode we so have. far. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to break into some thoughts about uh, the Angels had a losing skid this last week, Travis, but I'm overall not worried. Like I've told you, the last three games, they lost by one run each. It sucks to get swept, especially at home, but I'm just not too worried about yeah. a team that loses by one uh, a few times in a row. It kind of tells me that we were kind of close. We were in every game. In back-to-back games, Saturday and Sunday night, we had the winning run on base with a chance to win the game, yeah. and we're not able to do so um, both times. Unfortunately for Andrew Velasquez, he was the guy who made the final out with, with, with a chance to be the hero. But um, yeah, Travis, overall, the Angels, I'm not too worried. Uh, I, w- I was hoping I'd see the MLB's power rankings, Travis, because I wanted to see how they would rank the Angels mm-hmm. in case they dropped us from the top 10 and then you and I could just kind of complain about the <laughs> yeah. Angels getting too much hate than they deserve. But I don't know if they've dropped that yet or not. But Only only Ben Verlander. That's the only one I see. He, yeah. And he had the Angels at 10, yeah. which is why I thought like, oh, maybe like maybe the Angels are going to get some... Uh, get slided a bit here but uh, I, i'm not so sure that uh, they're gonna they're gonna do that but either way travis we'll discuss all that uh next week um we have the angels going to uh the bronx like you mentioned that'll be a really fun series to kind of cover uh when we uh, meet again next week for the podcast but overall uh great episode and uh more coming next week so uh if you guys haven't checked out the youtube yet uh please do uh i put some time into making a, a highlight video from the episode also, of course, the Instagram and the Twitter have been up and running uh, for a few weeks now. So please check those out. Both of them are just at Two Tools Baseball, the number two Tools Baseball. Check it all out. Like, subscribe, all that kind of fun Leave stuff. Leave a comment and Alex and I will tell you why you're wrong. So Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Leave us a comment and we can, we, can have a, we can have a chat, a brief little chat. But um, yeah, do that on the YouTube, do that on the Instagram, wherever you want, and we can, uh, we can talk baseball. But if you made it this far, thanks so much. We appreciate you guys for listening as always, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>